Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Pioneer Cast. I'm Tannen Grace, and as always, I'm going to be joined by Ross Merriam. How are you doing today, Ross? I'm doing well, Tannen. A little tired, but you know that's to be expected Monday after a tournament. Yeah, is that going to be a reoccurring theme, by the way? Is that I'm going to be like every week, how are you doing, Ross? And she'll be like, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired all the time. You're also old. It yeah. probably is a contributing factor. I think there's just a 100% correlation between being old and tired. Yeah, you're probably right. We can get into that in just a second. Uh, on topic for today's show, before we get into um, any of the stuff, is we're going to be talking a lot about Pioneer, obviously, but boy, do we have a lot of deck lists. So there was a deck dump this weekend, uh, from this weekend, so we got all of the uh, the 5-0 deck lists. And when I say all of them, I don't mean some of them, Ross. I mean all of them. How many was it again? It was 137. So we're talking about... We're gonna, I mean, we're going to obviously gloss over a few of them. We're going to be talking about close to 137 decks today. Plus, we had the Pioneer Challenge uh, this weekend as well. So we had an actual tournament get fired on Magic Online. We can tell you uh, what decks did well there, what underperformed, what you should be looking forward to uh, seeing it like your first event if you haven't been to one yet. We can definitely get into that. But before we get into that, why don't we talk about your weekend, Ross? You, uh, you went and actually played some Magic this weekend, didn't you? Yes, I was in... What city was I in? Atlanta. There we go. I was in Atlanta. There you go. They, they all blend together at this point. It's hard to hard to distinguish. Oh, them. don't I know? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, w- went with my trusty amulet that I've been you know, learning over the last couple of weeks. Deck was great. I made a few uh, costly errors, uh, but finished a, a solid eleven four. Picked up eight points for the PC race. Uh, unfortunately, two of the people that are chasing me and, and Collins Mullen and Edgar uh, Magayesh uh, both made the top eight. Collins losing the finals. So we're set up for a, a real tight PC race coming down to the Invitational and maybe a couple IQs over the next few weeks. I know we've got one at the Star City Game Center this Saturday that I will definitely be playing. Not sure past that, but yeah, we, we got a big group of people separated by about 10 total points from like fifth to ninth. Yeah, it looks like a real cluster there. And, you know, there's a lot of at-large bids besides just the three this season. So I'm hoping to get there. I'm rooting for you. I think you can do it. It's not going to be easy. You're, you're going to have to, like you said, do well at uh, possibly an IQ or two. And then I have faith in you at the uh, the Invitational. You've put up some pretty damn good results in your in your last, like I think, like four or five or something like that. I don't remember your exact finishes and all of them, but I know that you've been crushing it. Yeah, I've, uh, and stuff. So, I've uh, back-to-back top 16s. I think I missed A2 the one before that, but... Uh, two, 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 two top 16 the last two times around, uh, feeling pretty good as long as I can get standard squared away. And, you know, if I, I figure if I practice enough pioneer, only good things can happen. Yeah. Only good things can happen. Um, I was about to say, hopefully the standard format is fixed by the time we get to the invitational and you're not just playing the, uh, the, let's put our sideboard anti-green cards main deck, <laughs> uh, standard format. Boy, look, if we could talk about it for just a second before we get into this, I know it's a Pioneer cast, but that format looks like a train wreck right now. And looking at the decks that like won the challenge this week, by the way, the challenge had like 55 it people in it. 50 on the nose, I think. Yeah, that, so uh, I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about it because I don't want to take anything away from people, you know, whoever, you know, Dom did really well in the event, you know, good on him. He did win a tournament, you know, it's a, that's a big deal. Uh, it's just, you hate seeing this happen to standard after what's happening the last few years. It, it, it's rough, but we can definitely move past that. Did you eat anything good while you were in Atlanta? I'm a, I'm a big fan of the food in that city. Oh, uh, I did go to a nice Mexican restaurant on Sunday night after the tournament was over with a uh, modern classic champion, uh, Russell. Um, and was, I'm, I'm little Russell Lee. God, I was blanking on the name. Russell, I was yeah. Russell Lee. <laughs> not, not a difficult last name to remember. 
but yeah. uh, we went out after he, he took down the modern classic with Is It Delver? Borrowing m- most of my cards. He just wanted to have fun, you know, play a fun deck, just won yeah. the tournament. Uh, and yeah. uh, we we had a we had a nice meal. We split some uh, some. It was sort of like a you know modern Mexican, you know, a, a not just okay. traditional but like modern spin. And so our our guacamole came with uh, figs, uh, manchego cheese, which is one of my favorites, and uh, roasted hazelnuts. Okay. Yeah, that, that was very good. We had uh, huila coche empanadas, and uh, oh, I love yeah, coche. for people who don't know, that is a that is a fungus okay. that grows on corn. Uh, very, very mushroomy for those that like that. And uh, I had some fried avocado tacos that were really good. That's the thing a lot of places do, but they did them really well. Like the, the avocado was super soft and tender. Really good. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm very, very jealous now, actually, that I didn't come to the event <laughs> just for the damn food. Uh, I have an important question about your dinner, though. Did Mr. Lee pick up the bill? He did not. He, 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 oh, come on. You just he picked up the drinks. I'll give him that. Okay. Oh, okay. That, and, I accept. In classic, you only win star credit. So, still, but yeah, you're probably right. Actually, I keep forgetting that the, the prizes kept getting scaled back on that. And now it's only yeah. in store credit. All right, we're five minutes into the show. We haven't talked about Pioneer yet. We have a lot to talk about. We should probably dive right in. Uh, what did you want to start with? Did you want to start with the deck list, or did you want to start with the challenge? I want to start with the deck list because I think that I think okay. basically the uh, the league deck lists show where the metagame is, what people are playing a lot of. And I think the challenge shows what decks are performing well in that kind of a metagame. Okay, I like that. I I like that idea. Wide and narrow down. Uh, We were hoping that this deck nub would happen today so we could get this recorded and get this out to y'all. And we also were just sort of excited to look over a nice batch of Pioneer decklists. Personally, I was not expecting such a large batch. Yeah, for everyone listening at home, it's uh, it's Monday night for us, so and it's late. <laughs> Ross had a long weekend, and so did I. So uh, if it if it gets a little like we hear one of us yawn, oh boy, I apologize. We're going to try to get through this as quickly as we can, and uh, we wanted to get this out as quickly as possible. Uh, this should be live sometime on yeah. Tuesday, is what we're hoping, and we'll be tweeting I, about that I, as I, well. So, <laughs> hey, Ross, hit us. I, was gonna say, uh, I woke up in Atlanta at six a.m. this morning. <laughs> Ugh, I didn't know you traveled yeah, today. Uh, uh, we're good. We're good. You know, I've played magic for a long right. time. You got a nap. I'm used right? to being tired. Yeah, you did yeah. get a nap. And, and I took too, a nice right? nap when I got in. Then I woke up and, and messaged Corey to try to get lists set for versus live tomorrow. Corey was also taking a nap because he was jet lagged. He was in California over the weekend doing commentary <laughs> for the MPL sport. Right. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of jet lagged people around uh, this Monday. But let's. I'm not jet lagged. I'm just tired from all the great football this weekend. I don't know if you saw, but the Saints are still looking like one of the, the best teams in the league. Uh, LSU took over took over number one in the polls, uh, setting up a really big matchup with Alabama in a couple of weeks. Uh, me and Todd Anderson already have a bet on the uh, a friendly wager on the on the I game like as well. So should should be should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> lose, but I'm hoping we I'm hoping we score some points this time around. It's been rough well, the last few years. Jazz off to a nice two one start on my sports end, and they're currently playing the Phoenix Suns as we record. Up seven in the second quarter. Can I'll give not, you some updates as we go along. Can we not? Can we not talk about records of our our personal basketball <laughs> teams? Mine is not in the win, in the win. I think we just lost our third once, or fourth in a row. Once favors gets healthy, anyway. you'll be good. Don't worry. Oh, how about that Zion Williams kid? All right, anyway, this is. <laughs> I knew we talk about some NBA on the show, but with you being on here, but okay. let's talk about. Some we players. are just going top to bottom here from these league deck lists, and we will start with Shot PT's five colored Niv Mizzet deck. 
All right, let me interrupt for like two seconds here. Everybody at home, if you wanted to kind of like follow along, we are going to be talking about the deck list quite a bit. We're not going to read off every single card, otherwise the show would be five hours long. Um, the link to this will be in the show notes. Um, if you've ever gone to it, you can go to the Magic website, you go to products, you go to Magic Online, you go to deck list, and it's right there. You go to one of the top ones, it'll say Pioneer League uh, 5.0. I literally just Google MTGO deck lists. I can't navigate the Wizards website to get there. It's it, it it takes. I have a degree <laughs> to, to, to get through it actually. So anyway, go ahead. Okay, five color Nim is it? You know we've seen these decks pop up in modern as well. Usually with Arkham's Astrolabe to help fix the mana and Snowlands. I I don't get these decks. Like how how do they win? It's just like a pile of cards, and I, I don't understand. This one has two Felidar Guardian, two Sahili Rai. So like you know if you draw those, I get it. You can win. But, like, what are you beating with this awkward pile of cards? I've always wondered the same thing myself. It just seems like, you know, since you have Niv-Mizzet Reborn and you're trying to get, uh, for everybody at home, the deck is named after Niv-Mizzet Reborn. It's a card that's a 6-6 flyer for one of every color mana. And when it enters the battlefield, this card is very wordy. When it enters the battlefield, you reveal the top 10 cards of your library. And then for each color pair, you choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. And you put those chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom. So you get kind of like a card from every guild, you know, kind of thing going on. And so that's why you see the deck has a bunch of one ofs and they're like multicolored and stuff going on. But I kind of agree with you. It just looks like a giant mishmash, but it does have the essence to like to use a Hearthstone term here. High roll, if you know what I'm trying to talk about. Like it's got a couple of cards like, you know, a one of Supreme Verdict, a one of Unmoored Ego, you know, a couple of the commands. It got Slumgars, Ojitai's and Kolagon's command. So. If you draw those at the right time and the right matchup, those can carry you enough to get through a game. And then, like you said, you do have uh, the Sahili-Rai Feldar Guardian combo. <clears throat> I'm not sure that the mana in these decks always scare me. It's got four Gilded Goose. But the big thing for me that you haven't seen like the modern versions, this is kind of like their Astrolabe thing going on. They have four Tune with Aether into four Aether Hubs. So this is like a pure five-color land. I mean, if, if you draw a Tune, that's the only other energy card, right? It's not like they're playing... Broger Finder. Yeah, I don't think. It, yeah, I was gonna say I was I was kind of surprised not to see like one Broger Finder. You know, yeah. like it's just something else to draw to do that. But maybe it just doesn't fit. And, and you know, Goose helps a bit. They've got some confluences. Fabled Passage is great in this deck. I, I think the mana is workable. It's not as good as it is in Modern, mm-hmm. where they have Pillar of the Parents and Ark of Astrolabe. But still, like uh, my issue is, I look at the curve of this deck and like, how many of these cards cost less than three mana? You know, there's a Moon and Goose, which there's are basically just extra lands. But like, how many of your impactful cards cost less than three? And I see two Assassin's Trophy, one Dreadbore, one Abrupt Decay. Yeah, I mean, you hope you draw them when you need them, right? So, so you're you're just hoping that like your three, four, five curve is really good, or that you have Goose to accelerate that curve. I guess like the, the deck is powerful. It just seems so clunky to me. See, when I when I look at this deck, Ross, I don't, even though it has done well in events, I don't think this is the kind of deck that you go into an event like, I am going to win this open. I am going to win this challenge with this deck. This is a deck that's, it's cool, it's fun, and it's different. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is the only deck of its kind. You know, like, all the other Bring to Light decks are trying to combo you. And this one, you know, yeah, it does have the combo of, like, Sahili Rai, uh, Feldar Garden, but it's not the only thing it's trying to do. You know, it has this, like, backup plan and a, a giant 6-6 flyer for 5 mana that does an absurd amount of card advantage. So if you resolve this card, you are way ahead. Yeah, I, I guess if you get to turn five, this deck is going to be really good. 
Well, I mean, you can even do it on turn four, like with, yeah, okay. you know, with Gilded Goose, if you get like really lucky. Yeah. If you get to five mana, the, the deck looks quite good. And you've got some cards that help you do that. Deafening Clarion against hyper-aggressive decks, uh, Supreme Verdict. You've got some, you know, uh, the threat of the combo, which might slow people down. Oath of Kaya's removal spell and life gain. That's going to draw the game out. You know, Teferi is a nice old tempo card, and that Cantrip is going to help fix your mana. So maybe I'm just underestimating how easy it is to get to turn five in this format. You know, this is Pioneer. It's not modern. People aren't really killing you on turn three. Right. Sometimes they're killing you on turn four. Uh, and, and you've got some interaction to stop that. And if they're not killing you on turn four, you're probably getting to five mana. And like I said, if you get to five mana, the deck looks good. So I might just be overestimating how fast Pioneer is. And maybe this deck is better than I think. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the case. You, you know, neither you or, nor I have like sat down and played with the deck a good bit. So it's probably a surprising uh, deck. I have lost to the deck in modern. So maybe I should be so skeptical. <laughs> Yeah, same. I've watched you lose the deck in modern yeah. before. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, moving on. This is the first of what I'm calling sweet decks because in my notes next to it, I have the words sweet deck. Yeah, I. Uh, if, if this is what I think it is, is this is this the Numa the Nummy oh, deck? Oh, yeah. This deck is nice. Want to know what <laughs> I have this deck named? What's that? Big Pig. Big Pig, okay, and uh, that might mean of illusion. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about Big Pig there, Ross. Big Pig is, of course, Ilarg the Raised Boar. Three red red, six six trample. When Ilarg the Raised Boar attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. When Ilarg the Raised Boar dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. So basically, we're trying to cheat this card into play, ideally with haste, and there are several ways to do that and use Ilarg to cheat World Spine Worm onto the battlefield. So, you know, we don't have Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, which is what they these decks have used in Modern, but we do have World Spine Worm, which is just as big. So that can create just a 21-point attack, all with Trample. And you can do it as early as turn 3 because of Generator Servant. Colorless in the red for a 2-1. You can tap and sacrifice it to add 2 colorless to your mana pool. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, that creature gains haste until end of turn. So turn 2, Generator Servant. Turn 3, you got your third land. The Servant gives you 2 more. You're up to 5. Cast the Ilarg. It has haste. Attack. Put World Spine Worm for your hand onto the battlefield. You got a turn 3, 21-point attack. Yeah, and so this is another one of the decks that's kind of like the first one that we talked about, right? Like, this one, it's a bunch of clunky cards, but it looks super cool, and it can kill you out of nowhere. And when people don't know what's going on and it's a brand new format, I love decks like this, right? Like you're attacking from angles that people aren't expecting. They don't know what's going on. Like we said, you know, they see you play like a Sylvan carry at it or something like that. And then all of a sudden you cast a generator servant and they're like, no one has ever done anything fair with generator servant, by the way. If someone plays one of those, you (laughs) kill it and you kill it immediately, right? It's got a couple other things going on too. There's combustible gear Hulk in this deck, which almost everyone, if you cast a combustible gear Hulk and you haven't taken your opponent cast one. You haven't taken damage yet. You're like, oh yeah, mill. You know, mill a couple cards, and then all of a sudden they start milling over world spine worms, and you're like, that's a lot of damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just might be yeah. dead. Uh, and that's another card you can put onto the battlefield with Ilarg. You know, if you have that instead of a worm, you know that that's they're looking at a twelve point attack. Are they willing to take the trigger when they know they're going to be at a virtual eight? So I have a I have a quick funny story about combustible gearhawk. Um, the I played in the Grand Prix in Atlanta. It was an actual Grand Prix before they changed them. It was a uh, triple Kaladesh, and I opened a Combustible Gear Hulk in my play in my pool. This is uh, limited, and I won a round by casting this card and never attacking with it. I cast it on turn six, and my opponent took eight from getting milled, 
And then on my next turn, I cast Sahili's Artistry or whatever it's called and targeted it twice and, uh, and made two more tokens of Combustible Gearhulk. And my opponent was just like, all right, mill for both of them. And they took 12. So they just took 20 and I never actually attacked in the game. So that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. And you're talking about a couple other ways to cheat this, uh, these cards into play. We have Champion of Ronus and Rhythm of the Wild in this deck as well. Yeah, so that's both more ways to, to cheat your big creatures onto the battlefield and more ways to give these creatures haste. So turn three rhythm, turn four champion, you can give your champion of Ronus haste, attack, exert it, and then your world spine worm is on the battlefield and it stays there. And there's not a lot of things right now that deal with this world spine worm. You know, white is one of the least common colors, uh, as we'll see as we go through the deck list. So there's not a lot of exile based removal. When you kill the world spine worm, they still have 15 power. So a nice one to cheat onto the battlefield. And so I like the uh, you know the redundancy built into the deck to you know get yourself some consistency. There's also three copies of Hanwir Battlements, a land that can give your creature haste. There's no cop there's no Hanwir garrisons to meld. We're just playing the land to give our creatures haste, but that's fine. That's what we want it to do. Right. You even have see the unwritten in the deck as well, just to kind of cheat cards and it's it's kind of like um a, a mini uh what was that card from Mirrodin? Tooth and Nail. You know, I mean, like it's something along the lines that reveals the top eight cards of your library, and you can put a creature card from them on the battlefield. Uh, if you get to, if you're ferocious, then you can do two creatures instead. So you could put a world spy worm into play pretty quickly in this deck. Yeah, and then sometimes give it haste too. If you got rhythm in the wild or or hunger battlements and the extra mana, so it's sort of a gruel combo deck, which is weird. You don't really don't think of gruel as a as a combo color, but uh, that's what we're doing. And honestly, like. It looks pretty cool. It looks kind of hard to interact with in, to some degree because the removal is not great in the uh, in Pioneer. And we've got some interaction of our own, too. We're not just all in. We've got some Wild Slashes, some Sweltering Suns. Uh, there are a couple things I think are missing. One okay. is Once Upon a Time. Right. I can definitely just, see that. Yeah, like find your, your Illargs, find your Generator Servants early, more often. Reasonable card to cast. Just seems like an obvious inclusion. Two... I don't understand why these Sylvan Caryatids are here instead of a Llanowar Elves or Elvish Mystic. You know, with the way the deck curves, we're not really looking to curve two, two through four, whereas curving one to three, it looks great. We can play Rhythm of the Wild on turn two, Champion of Ronus on turn three. Suddenly we have turn three World Spine Worm that sticks around. Yeah, I, I definitely like that. Maybe they were, maybe Nubit was, was thinking more along the lines of like, the Hexproof is important, you know, maybe keeping the Caryatid around. Eh, who knows? But I definitely could see the fact that you do get better curves with Llanowar Elves. Yes, I agree. Uh, but either way, this deck is super sweet. We'll get to some other sweet decks, and I will note them as we get to them. But moving on, we have the first of many, many, many. decks. Yeah. This is Tolkachev's. Uh, I, I don't know what to say other than Red Aggro. I have a lot of things labeled as this. Uh, mm -hmm. This is Mono Red. You'll see a lot of lists playing uh, Splashing Green for Atarkas Command. Um, but... Not much to write home about here. These are all powerful red cards. we got a bunch of good burn, a good mix of it. Uh, I like Stoke the Flames quite a bit because I think the fourth point of, uh, the fourth point is important to deal to Felidar Guardian. Um, you know, I like Searing Blood quite a bit. I think there's a lot of targets for that in Pioneer. I'm not sold on these Ash Zealots. People aren't, there's no like Snapcaster to punish. I guess it punishes Kethis pretty well. But I'm not sure what else we're, we're doing. Uh, there's there's a couple other things. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but there's definitely a few ways to cast stuff from your, uh, your graveyard in this. Um, also, Gearhulk triggers this. Jace, Gearhulk. There's there's a couple little um, okay. random things here or there. Uh, Ashdelet is a 2-2 for red red. It's first strike in haste. And it has this extra little clause that says whenever a player casts a spell from their graveyard, Ashdelet deals three to them. 
So that's an extra bolt you might get in somewhere in the game, which ends up being pretty great. Um, <laughs> you know, me and you, you and I made the joke that every now and then you'll see a car and you'll be like, oh my God, that card's legal. You like kind of forget. And I had kind of forgot that Chandra's Phoenix was legal in this format. And there's two Chandra's Phoenix in this deck too, because this one's a little more burn heavy than most of the lists I've seen. You have four lightning strikes, three searing bloods, two skull cracks, three stokes, and two wild slash. And an exquisite firecraft. And an exquisite firecraft. I, I can't forget the sorceries. And that's another one that people forget about too, is exquisite firecraft is legal in this format. And that's a really good way to finish off a lot of these decks. It's got that fourth point, like you talk about, that's really important. And it's got the clause where if you have spell mastery, it, uh, it's uncounterable. Yeah, definitely. So that, that's a that's a big deal against some of the decks in this format. They'll they'll get down to a low life and sit behind a counter spell and try to win that way, and then you can just finish them off with exquisite firecraft. You can get a little bit disappointed if your opponent absorbs it because they still will gain the three life from the absorb. Yeah, uh, I remember absorbing a kicked Urza's Rage like fifteen years ago, and people were like, "Oh yeah, it's on counter." I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm going to one," <laughs> you know. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, so not much else to write home about here. Uh, some cool sideboard stuff. It's got some sweepers in the sideboard with Anger of the Gods, but it's also got Outpost Siege. Really good card for any of the matchups where like you're probably gonna have to grind more. Which we're gonna see reasons for these aggro decks to be able to grind with some of the decks, especially the deck that won the challenge. Uh, you're, you're gonna you're going to have to play longer games. Yep. Like these people are not going to roll over and die against you. And so uh, cards like uh, Alpo Siege definitely help a lot in that kind of matchup. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, unlike a card like Chandra Torch of Defiance, or I guess Chandra gives you a little bit of reach with the plus one, but, uh, you know, maybe like Experimental Frenzy, unlike cards like that, Alpo Siege does give you a little bit of reach if you choose the dragon side of it. You know, Sometimes you can just choose dragons and make this big alpha strike and it becomes lethal and your opponent wasn't really expecting that because they were hiding behind some blockers. Yeah, this one's even got four Earth Earthshaker Kenra in here and I haven't seen that card in like a little over a year and this card dominated standard for a yeah, while. I so. think that's an underrated card and I like seeing four copies of it. I think that's that one's very good. The The thing that I really stands out to me about this list and I think it's something that we'll you'll come to see in a lot of the red decks is these, this split on three drops. We have two Chandra's Phoenix, three Goblin Chain Whirler, two Rampaging Ferocidon. All three of these cards are very powerful, very good, and you can't play four of all of them. So, you know, trying to figure out which ones you really want, which ones you don't want as much, you know, it'll depend a bit on the metagame. You know, Rampaging Frostodon, obviously good against life game, but also stops the Felidar Guardian Sahili combo. So, yeah, and that's the big one for me. Yeah. Like, it, you know, you randomly just have this card that can cold one of the important decks of the format. But if you're playing against a bunch of, you know, mirrors, red aggressive decks, and playing against a bunch of Llanowar Elves decks, Goblin Chain Whirler, that en enters the battlefield trigger, really important. But if your opponents are putting a bunch of blockers in your way, maybe you want the flyer. And maybe you've got extra burn in your build, and that makes the Chandra's Phoenix better. So all have their strengths and weaknesses, and it'll be really interesting to see how people build their decks because they're all strong options. And you know, when you only have one or two strong options, it's pretty easy to build your decks. When you have three or four, it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. And then, and then the last thing, this one copy of Hazaret. This is a card that got a lot of press. You know, everybody talked about it when it was really good in Standard. I think it's a card that gets a lot worse in Pioneer because in a larger format, Curves have to condense. Everybody's coming out faster. They're more consistent. So you just don't have room for as many four drops. So I like this card still, but I like it in small numbers. So I'm happy to see just one. Absolutely. I've died to that card too many times uh, to not respect it. So definitely like seeing its inclusion yeah. as well. And, and the, you know, the reduced curves mean when you do draw it, it, it will be better because you're more likely to have emptied yeah. your hand. Yeah, I definitely agree. Next deck list, we got uh, Chaya Jome. And playing a Monogreen Devotion deck. I think this is one of the most hyped decks from the last week. We'll see a lot of them uh, in this list. 
uh, of league deck lists. And this one is straight mono green. There's no blue splash for Hydroid Crisis. What we do see is three copies of Garrick Caller of Beasts, you know, a callback, if you will, to the standard version of this deck uh, back, you know, during RTR, uh, you know, Theros block that played Burning Tree Emissary mm-hmm. and Mana Creatures and was really just trying to turbo out Garrick. That was its big payoff. And we see a lot of creatures in this list too, so it can definitely do a lot of work. Yeah, when you look at this version of Garrick, we've had so many of them. This one's a six drop. It's got four loyalty. Uh, it's plus one ability is reveal the top five cards of your library. You put all creature cards revealed from this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom. It has a minus three, which just puts a green creature from your hand onto the battlefield. We'll talk about that in just a second. And it's minus seven, is what, uh, which is like its you know ultimate, whatever you want to call it. You get an emblem. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you may search your library for a creature card, put it on the battlefield, and shuffle your library. Very, very powerful. If you've, if you've plus it that many times a game's still going on, you're probably going to win anyway, but you know obviously that it comes into play. But this minus three ability, so it's, it's pretty important that if, if Garrick is one of the top end parts of your deck, you need to have good creatures to put in from the the minus three and you'll see that in their choice of, of deck building here because usually in these decks you have stuff like ulamog not a green creature you know you have walking bliss which is in this deck again not a green creature not a good card to put into your hand anyway because you want to spend mana on it but you do see three hornet queens and this is a really good creature to kind of like nut into play as quickly as yeah as this possible. is a card that uh before dragon lord of tarker was printed it was a card that standard green devotion decks were really ramping to um, you know, Dragon Lord of Tarka sort of invalidated it on the splash, but it is a very good card for stabilizing the battlefield. We've seen it in modern in the sideboard of Amulet Titan decks for that purpose as a one of to summoners back four. I'm skeptical of this card in Pioneer. One, because Walking Bliss is a very um, you know common card because it stops the Sahili combo and is just you know powerful on its own. Ballista is really good at dealing with Hornet Queen. Goblin Chain Whirler, which is already good at dealing with your mana creatures, is good at dealing with Hornet Queen. You know, people are playing Supreme Verdict. Hornet Queen, not great against them. So uh, I'm not a big fan of Hornet Queen. I I think Garrick is mainly there for the plus one. Uh, It it does that well. But I agree with you. You do want a good creature to minus three with it if you can. I think that creature is going to be Dragonlord of Tarka. I think you need to see a red splash here. Yeah, I could definitely see something like that. Um, Other than that, you're seeing pretty much the typical shell of what we're seeing in the Nykthos decks, so you're seeing four Nykthos, a ton of basics, and then Leyline of Abundance. So you have Leyline, and you have Once Upon a Time, and you're going to see this in pretty much every single ramp deck in the format. Uh, two really powerful cards that are in your opening hand, but not dead if you draw them later in the game. Plus, the thing I like about Leyline of Abundance, while it plays really well with what the uh, Devotion deck's trying to do by putting permanents on the battlefield, and this rewards you for doing that, it's also a mana sink, because that's something a deck like this can have. If you draw all of your mana, like all of your filler, none of your thriller... It just has the ability of six green green to put a plus one plus one counter on each of your creatures. And I have actually seen people like, you know, I've watched a ton of streams. Uh, I was watching Ty Anderson stream Mono Green Devotion the other night. And he had a game where, you know, he had all the mana in the world with a Nykthos and like nothing to really do with it. So he was just activating Nykthos every turn and using Leyline to make his creatures two twos, make his creatures three threes and make his creatures four fours. And it was good enough because he was playing against another creature deck. And like, you know, he took some beats, but his creatures eventually outclassed everything. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Mana sinks are super important in these decks. Uh, any Devotion deck, really, but especially the green ones, which are playing a ton of mana creatures in addition to the Nykthoses. And so having one of your you know, accelerants, so to speak, in Leyline of Abundance also be a mana sink is excellent. And I think it's one of the reasons it's now you know stock for this uh, archetype. We see basically the eight elves, Leyline of Abundance, and Nissa who shakes the world. Those are the commonalities across every single list. From there, it can change. 
You know, we see only three once upon a time in this list. We see no Oath of Nyssa. That's pretty common. I actually like the choice of Leafkin Druid as one of the mana creatures here instead of something like Sylvan Caryatid. You know, Caryatid, I think it is good if you're splashing a color because it helps you get that splash color without having to play too many non-forest lands to make your Nyssa worse. But here, Leafkin Druid, you don't need the splash color. Leafkin is just as big as Caryatid, so it's just as good of a blocker. Do you really need it to be... You know, Hexproof, a lot of the removal people are playing is like deal two damage, like Wild Slash. Leafkin Druid can survive that just like, uh, you know, Carry uh, Added would. And that extra mana can really matter. And you, you play a lot of creatures, you know, every mana matters. Sometimes you're one short, even when, you, when you're playing a ramp deck, you're one short of that Lethal Ballista, one short of that Ulamog on time, one short of activating a Leyline of Abundance critically to stabilize the, the battlefield in a certain combat. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Leafkin Druids. I think you need something a little bit better than Hornet Queen here. And I also think you need something a little bit better than Nissa Vastwood Seer. You know, this deck generates a lot of mana, but it doesn't actually generate a lot of lands. Yeah, that's the problem I've seen with that card is like you're not triggering the seventh land that often. Yeah, no. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of, of Nissa as well. I think something like Corsair Crufix would be better in that slot. Um, maybe yeah, even something like Pelucranos. I kind of want another big threat because there's a lot of mana creatures in this deck. You know, four Gilded Goose in addition to the other 12. That's more than most lists. So I, I want to be a little bit meatier uh, to take advantage right. of that. I do like the Ulmog. Uh, you know, I was I normally shied away from a card like this because I think it gets stranded in your hand. But with these green Devotion decks being popular, Ulmog is the kind of card that can trump the mirror. And so I think you need something like that if, because you should expect to play against a lot of mirrors. Yeah, I was going to say um, the last thing to talk about this deck is like the the, the different inclusions of the mana creatures like Leafkinger and Gilded Goose stood out to me. Like this list looks like the same as all the other ones. So when we start getting to like more lists down the line, we'll be talking about them like, you know, less, spending less and less time on them because we're like, hey, this is just like a list we talked about earlier. But Gilded Goose is interesting to me. Um, this card is just very good. It's a, it's a good little mana creature. It's also a, an, an okay mana sync with creating food. And then that might be important in the, in the matchups with like the deck we saw the last one we talked about against like mono red, you know, food could be important in as much as just gaining an extra three to six life for the span of a game could be the difference in winning or losing. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, mono red is, I think the most popular deck among the lists. I didn't do a full count, but there's a lot of red decks, a lot of burn spells. So that life gain, definitely important. So even though you don't see any Okos here to help the goose out or any other ways to generate food, uh, the goose might just stand on its own or fly yeah. on its own, so to speak. I mean, they don't fly a lot. I mean, but yeah, it's probably too heavy to fly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we talking about a laden or an unladen laden goose? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping somebody else got that reference. But anyway, oh man, uh, before we, 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 we should move. On. That's like a forty year old reference. Again? Yeah, we get we can just move past that. I don't want to talk about how old I yeah. am. Um, okay, because the next one is a, uh, is a is a deck that got a lot of a lot of hype in this format is uh, coming into this format, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think Azorius Control is the kind of deck that is on a lot of people's minds. They remember Supreme Verdict and Sphinx's Revelation, and that's what we've got coming up next. This is Antoine 57437. Pretty, you know, straight Azorius Control here, but notably, look at that instant section. Yeah, I was going to say, this one's a little different. There's one to dig through time yeah. and no, no Revelations. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been looking through the. There's a lot of actually a lot of Azorius control decks in this deck. Up, I was surprised. I played an Azorius deck on versus. It went really poorly, but I built it like they were built in standard. I had four revelation, no dig through time. The lists that were I see in these five O deck dumps, they're playing usually zero to one revelation and one to two digs. 
Yeah, I, I like this list a lot. It looks like it's a little bit tighter. The The instant that I want to talk about is this deck actually has two hieroglyphic illumination in it, which is three and a blue for an instant that draws two cards, but it also is cycling one blue. I like this card a lot. Um, I actually think that this card is playable more than opt sometimes. And the fact that it gets a card into your graveyard very easily for stuff like dig through time if you want to do it. But the reason I like this card so much is, uh, have you seen the creature section of this deck? It's got four torrential gear holes yeah, in it. And I like the fact that we can cycle through. A favorite of yours, I know, Torrential Gearhold. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still own probably like 10 to 12 different Torrential Gearhold copies of my own, but I like the fact that you have a card draw spell in, in this that you can flashback of Gearhulk. Because, like, let's be honest, when you're playing the blue-white deck, you can't always get the Dig Through Time into your yard before turn six, and you need to be casting Gearhulk as soon as possible with these decks to turn the corner. And when you have stuff like Hieroglyphic Illumination, it just gives you something that... At any point in time in the game, you have an extra blue mana sitting around. You can cycle this into your graveyard, and then it gives you that good gear hold target. Yeah, and I think that is really great. I think we'll see a lot of hieroglyphic illuminations in these Azorius lists, and that's a really heady inclusion. Something that I missed in my own build uh, will not be missing moving forward. And it also allows this low land count. You know, we have four ops, two hieroglyphic illumination, only 22 lands. You know, with the six cantrips, I think 22 is a little low. Yeah, I mean, it's got two Jay's Friends Prodigy, but I definitely think it's a tiny bit low. But, you know, we're not playing a Revelation deck here. You're not looking at, like, the Revelation decks in, in my day in Standard. We had, like, 28 yeah, lands you wanted in our to deck, make and that's just probably too many. Those decks. Yeah, you wanted to make sure that you made every single one. This deck, not as much. You know, we did talk about how it only has one Dig Through Time in it. There is another Delve spell in this deck, and there's a set of Drift. That's not something I expected to see too much of in, like, Azorius Control. Yeah, you know, normally you think if I'm playing a Delve spell and Dig Through Time or Treasure Cruise Illegal, I should be playing those. But with four copies of Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and four Torrential Gear Hulk, the top end is pretty well set. And so you only really need the one Dig Through Time, and then you've got some room to play around. Center Drift is not a bad card. I played a little bit with it in Modern in Is It Phoenix, and it impressed me more than I expected it would. You know, it does a lot of stuff. It can target weird cards like Planeswalkers or Jeskai Ascendancy or, you know, what have you. And sometimes that one mana deal with anything just gets you out of a lot of jams. So you don't have to spend three like you would for a Detention Sphere. Maybe now you can hold up that Absorb or that Negate. Maybe now you can, you know, play your Planeswalker along with it to really get ahead. So uh, I'm a fan of the one-off set adrift when you don't really need that much delving. And I honestly think, you know, this deck might be a little heavy even on the fat. Maybe you can trim a Teferi or trim a Gearhulk, get another land in the stack or land or two even, uh, and, and be a little bit more balanced. But I like where this deck is going, where it's heavy early cantrips, not trying to play this incredibly long game, is trying to end games quickly with the four Gearhulks, and realizes that you know I have enough card advantage for my Planeswalkers, because there's also four copies of Teferi Time Raveler and two Narset Parter Avails, um, that I don't really need the other, you know, historically powerful spells. No, definitely agree with you. Uh, before we move on, we'll talk about one card that's in the sideboard that uh, is going to start showing up again, and you're going to for- you're going to lose to it the first time it happens to you, and you're going to forget about it. But settle the wreckage is in this format, and I've seen some really funny photos on Twitter of people <laughs> like uh, I think the one that came into my mind is someone was doing the Feldar Guardian combo, and their opponent was like going off with it, and they said, "Are you really going to make me do this? Can you just concede?" And they just didn't say anything in the attack, and they were like, "All right, settle you." <laughs> you know, and, you know, something we haven't had to play against in a little while. It hasn't been in standard for a little while. So, uh, against the uh, the blue white decks, remember, settle the wreckage. Definitely a card still. Yeah, I have that one marked in my notes somewhere along the way. But that that yeah that that's sort of the oh yeah moment. Like oh yeah, that card exists. 
Oops. <laughs> okay. Mental note. Don't do that again. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those ways, like, when you lose a game in this way, it's it's a spectacular loss, but it doesn't happen again. You, yeah. you make sure to miss it. Oh, yeah. That, because you, it, it's burned in your memory. I, I did it with yeah, you, Modern playing Dredge, and I had, I had oh, boy. seven or eight creatures into it, and managed to, like, claw my way back into the game and almost won, and then, like, my opponent drew, like, a counterspell on the last turn to counter my lethal conflagrate and then decked me. And I was like, if I had just left one creature back on that attack, it was completely unnecessary for me to attack with everything. I win this game easily. It's, it, uh, it's like seared to the back of your eyelid. You see it every time you close your eyes. Yep. Okay. Uh, next deck list, another cool one. And there's a couple versions of this deck here in the deck dump. And this one is interesting for a couple of reasons. This is a four color Jeskai ascendancy combo fourth color being green, notably for Sylvan Awakening. This is a two and a green sorcery. Until your next turn, all lands you control become two, two elemental creatures with a reach, indestructible, and haste. There are still lands. I think the synergy with Jeskai Ascendancy is quite obvious there. You you, you start going off with this deck when three or four lands are untapping for every single spell you cast. It's kind of like the uh, Glimpse of Nature with Heritage Druid Nettle Sentinel. Where you just cast a spell and it somehow both nets you cards and mana, and you're just like, this doesn't feel like we're playing magic anymore. <laughs> no, you're you're literally goldfishing at that point. Um, with the deck having as many like cheap spells, like we're looking at four Mox Amber, a card that could be on the chopping block at some point in time as a card that could get banned from this format. You have like two prophetic prisms, four witching well, uh, you're looking at four opt, three expedite, just just a pretty much cycle. You know, you could you could give uh, I was say you can give a Sylvan carry to it or Emery haste with uh, expedite, but again, it's just another way to get through your deck. And then three dig through time. You're looking at if you have Sylvan Awakening with Jeskai Ascendancy in any one of these cantrip type cards in your in your in your hand afterwards, it's going to be really hard to brick from here if you're untapping all of your lands yeah. too. And and you missed another big one in three treasure crews. There's six delve cards in this deck. Yeah, and I will say the, six delve cards. This is the kind of deck that can actually. Uh, make that work because you have four Emery and four Jeskai Ascendancy all of fueling that as it goes along. So you're not just like hoping to get those cards in your yard. You're actively doing it as quickly as possible. Plus Mox Ambers are legendary so you can kind of like cycle through them as well and use them as fuel to your uh, your Delve spells. So I like this deck a lot. I, I envision myself dying in this deck quite a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think the combo is powerful. The unfortunate part is that you don't really have a good way to dig for your Jeskai Ascendancy. So you're pretty dependent on having that card, uh, you know, drawing that card and then having it live or, or not get countered. You can, you know, cantrip early and then try to cast your digs and cruises to find it. But it's harder to enable those cards without Ascendancy unless you draw Emery, uh, I think is one of the big reasons Emery's in the deck. That's, that's something I was questioning, like because it doesn't have a lot of value here. There's only 10 artifacts. None of them, notably, are zero mana and go to the graveyard on their own, like Mishra's Bobble. So you don't have the easy Emery Ascendancy combo like you do in Modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you can generate some value there. Uh, I guess if you have two Mox Ambers, that, that's an easy combo. So that, that's a nice one. Right. Uh, and that'll generate you know as much mana as you want. Eventually, you'll find a Sylvan Awakening and, and kill them. Uh, so uh, I think this combo is very robust. I have in my notes six Delve spells is a lot, but it's not unreasonable. I agree with you. I think this deck can really fuel that, uh, and that's a nice aspect to it. And then, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm the thing that that gives me pause about this deck is like, it looks like a two card combo, right? It's like Jeskai Ascendancy, Sylvan Awakening. If I assemble these two cards, I'll probably win. Is that better than playing Sahili and 
cat. You know, you're not you're not, really not, right not sure because there's no one mana yeah. accelerate acceleration unless you draw like uh, if you go witching well, mox amber. No, that's turn two Emery. Unless you have a second Mox Amber, you're not. I guess you, you can go turn two Emery or turn two Karyatid, turn three Ascendancy, start going off. So you can turn three, but you can turn three with the cat combo too, with any sort of Gilded Goose or Lanor Elves kind of thing. So that's where I'm worried about this deck. It might just be a worse version of cat combo because it doesn't get to be just slotted into an interactive mid range shell. You know, it has to spend the rest of the you know sixty slots on the deck really getting the combo set up. No, I definitely agree with you there. These decks have always felt kind of glass cannony and uh, inexploitable to me a little bit more than the ones that have like better backup yeah. plans. So a, a little worried about that. I think it's a robust, powerful combo. But as long as Felidar Guardian remains in the format, I'm, I'm not super interested in two card combos that don't seem as flexible as that one. But, you know, the Wizards have said they're going to be pretty aggressive with the ban list. Uh, I think Felidar Guardian might be gone pretty quick. Yeah, that, that's definitely, I think, number one on the list or whatever. It's definitely sure. close based on the results I'm seeing. So uh, moving on, we have what I think is one of the more successful archetypes on the weekend. And when we get to the challenge results, you will see that this is Sultai Midrange. You know, just a good collection of removal and disruption and creatures. I think we said on the first show that our in our first impressions of the format that Black and Golgari had the best removal. You know, Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy. And that's what you see in this deck. Four push, four decay, one trophy. And we got one downfall to help out against Planeswalkers too. Two drown in the lock is a nice versatile removal spell slash counter spell. People are putting cards in their graveyard, so it's enough to play this card in small numbers. Uh, even out something like Thought Scour, like you have in Modern to mill your opponent. Uh, and then, you know, Dig Through Time, really good card advantage. We got Chase Friends Prodigy, Corsair, Crufix, Oko. It's really good advantage generating threats, like a, a classic mid-range rock deck. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the four ofs in the deck, I think this is like... What do you have to build a deck around? It's four Okos, four Jays, four Thoughtseize, four Push, four Abrupt Decay. Like, there's your deck. Build from there. Like, fill in around. You know what I mean? So you have some, like, you know, some good creatures to fill in around it with Corsair Crufix, Kalidus, and Scavenigoos that all serve purpose, uh, can win a game, and can keep you alive against other creature decks. You have four Thoughtseize, which is good against every deck in the format, except for probably the Mono Red deck, and then even there... Not horrible, never a fan of it. And like you said, you have dig through time to kind of like piece it all together, right? You're like, well, I really need a threat right now, or I really need another no Oko, another Jace, just something. Um, you do along those lines. And then Jace Runs Prodigy carries a lot of weight in this deck. Like you said, you've got a Brub Decay, Trophy, Dig Through Time, Drown of the Lock, Fatal Push, Heroes Downfall, Ops, all the and, and Thoughtseize. All these cards can be flashback from Jace. And plus, if any of them are good, like if you're in a matchup where Thoughtseize isn't good, or if you're in a matchup where Fatal Push isn't good, you have fodder to throw away from your Jace. This is my early pick is like what's going to be one of the decks that just survives the longest time throughout the, the format. You know, yeah, Oko might get banned at some point. Maybe. I don't think Thoughtseize does. I, you know, maybe Dig Through Time. I don't know. They, they've seemed relatively fair to me, but maybe I'd, I'm only thinking of when they were broken. But this is my pick for like one of the main gatekeepers of the format because this is this format's Jund. And you might not think that Jund is like, broken and modern in fact it's not even really that good of a deck it's fine you know it doesn't win a lot of tournaments but i think this deck is pretty damn good and the reason i like it is it's resilient it, it attacks from a bunch of different angles it's got a bunch of different um a bunch of different threats but i also think you get like the best sideboard in in the format you get mystical dispute noxious grass veil of summer disdainful stroke it has all of these cards in its sideboard 
along with Narset and Pithy Needle. And those are the best cyborg cards in the format, in my opinion. Yeah, they're all on the list. I don't know exactly where they fall, but they're definitely all on the list. And that that is a really good point. Really good. You know, these mid-range decks, they need a good sideboard because, uh, you know, just like they're going to have really good cards, no no matter the matchup, they're going to have some really good cards. They're also going to have some bad cards. They're going to have the thought pieces against the aggro decks. They're going to have too much removal against the control decks. And you really need to level up those slots when you go to your sideboard if you want to have success. You know, this is the kind of deck that wins a lot of matches two to one. And the, with this sideboard, I think you're going to do that successfully. And that, that's a fine place to be. Yeah, very solid 45 to 55% deck. You know, you're either 45 or 55% in all of your matches. Yeah. So play well, understand your matchups, understand how to sideboard. You're in a good spot. Yeah. And constantly tune your deck week to week. You know, this list, you see a lot of life gain. between Oko, Corsair, Kalidus, Scavenging Ooze. There's a lot of mono red, so we got a lot more life gain creatures. There's probably a metagame where you don't really want Kalidus in your main deck. Instead, you want something more grindy because people are playing control. Maybe you want more, like, you got to change up your removal based on the threats people are playing. So, you know, you never want to rest on your laurels and say, I found the right 75, because the right 75 changes week to week. Yeah, very good point. There's one last point about these Sultai decks, and as we get through some more of them, especially in the challenge... I think there's one big deck building decision you have to make, and it's whether to goose or not to goose. <laughs> That's actually really good. Um, I honestly am in the not to goose uh, Ooh. side of I'm it because, side. well, the thing is, is like the, if this deck gets really popular, then yeah, you're probably should be goosing because goose in the play is like probably the scariest thing you can have done against you in the mirror because like they're threatening Oko, Corsair, like double spelling faster than you you know thoughts he's into something and, sh- and stuff like that so like i think that's something but honestly like i don't know if i'd want goose in the mirror like i mean like i said that's, i think it's the only times when it's good on turn one i wouldn't want to top deck it late but maybe i'm underrating goose too much in the in the and how good food can be as a game goes on yeah you know we've seen it now in modern with the the fair goose oko urza deck you know in that deck the extra artifacts are great because urza turns them into mana uh you know you tap them to were uh of invention a lot of stuff this deck not as much to do with it but i still think you just want that little burst of speed and that help with your mana uh, i think there's enough to do with food just on its own uh, you know especially if you're cutting things like Kalidus, you and you, you have less life gain from those sources you can get them back from goose and still have this nice accelerant in mid-range mirrors and against control decks so that you can get underneath them you know like turn to oko against a control deck if you're on the play they don't have a lot of answers to that, especially when you're it's pretty them, out. or yeah. you've brought in counter spells of your own. Uh, so I, I'm a fan of Goose. Um, you know, I, I haven't played with this deck yet, but I, I've just I've just seen Goose be too good in too many decks now in both standard and modern. Not to believe that we shouldn't be playing it in Pioneer. Okay, I can I can believe that Goose is now my default stance until until somebody tells me otherwise. <laughs> you're I'm, pro Goose. Yeah, I'm pro Goose. You're pro goose. All right, cool. We need to, if you know, at some point in time, we're gonna have to get t-shirts made and it'll be like pro goose and, and, and not pro like I'll get a goose with like the, the ghostbusters thing, you know, like the circle with like the line through it and stuff. Oh, so you, we'll definitely get, you know what those t-shirt t-shirts should say. I got, I've cool. got it. It should say honk. If you love goose. Okay. I like it. All right. We're gonna have to, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work on the, um, the trademark right, right after this. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we gotta get that one on lockdown. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm actually pretty excited about this next deck too. I think we're both excited because it's a base is it spells deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of my favorite cards in no, it. No, but this one is uh this is a Grixis Arcanist deck from Magic Verse. Uh, uh at least that's what I'm calling it. 
I am also a big fan of this deck. I know um, Andrew Schneider has been tweeting about uh, playing Grixis Arcanist. I don't know if this is him or if this is close to his list in any way, but he's been playing at least a similar deck. Uh, for those who don't know, Andrew Schneider's he's sort of one of those like secret ringers that played oh, yeah. Magic for a while. You know who he is, but if you just sort of follow Magic and watch the streams, you probably don't because uh, you know he was playing a lot more four or five, six years ago. Uh, but I think he's won two legacy opens, maybe three. He's a stone cold killer. Yeah. Like just, uh, easiest way to put it. So, uh, you know, he, he's definitely no slouch and knows his way around some base. Is it spells decks? He used to play, is it Delver in legacy? Uh, so th- this deck, there's a lot going on here. The big thing is you see the four thoughtsies that you'd expect in a Grixis Dreadhorde Arcanist deck, you know, a really good card to flashback. You also see three copies of thought erasure. So this deck is not messing around with the discard. No, I like this a lot. There's a lot of decks, I mean, even the ones we've seen so far, where if you take the right card at the right time, the deck might fold. You know, like you've seen a lot of these cards, these decks trying to put together one or two card combos, and you're putting a lot of pressure on them when you're doing this too, because like usually you're you're doing this while making uh, 1-1 tokens with uh, Young Pyromancer, or you're taking counters off of Thing in the Ice, which you see four of in this deck, or you have Jace Friend's Prodigy in this deck too, so you have the threat of casting it and then casting it again from Jace Friend's Prodigy, so... The Discord doing a lot of work in this match, uh, in this deck. Yeah, you know, the, the creature base is cards that flashback my spells and cards that benefit from me casting lots of spells. So some nice synergy there. Although Thing in the Ice, Young Pyromancer, that's a nombo. So we might need to do something about that. But, uh, you know, all these cards are at least good standalones in the deck, even if they don't work well together. You know, you, a lot of, uh, you know, what I lo- another thing I like about the deck is that most of the, the spells are concentrated at one mana for Dreadheart Arcanist. We have four, op, right. four Wild Slash, four Thoughtseize, two Fatal Push. You know, that's 14 spells that we can flashback naturally. You might think it's a little awkward to have Thought Erasure, Dreadbore, and Coligan's Command alongside them, but we can flash those back with Dreadheart Arcanist too because we got two copies of the Royal Scions. I mean, this is the card that sort of ties the whole room together. It both lets Dreadheart Arcanist flashback your more powerful spells, turns your 1-1 tokens from Young Pyromancer into real threats. You know, 3-1 Trample First Strike is a reasonable body. It stops people from just chump locking thing in the ice all the time or awoken horror. Now you got a nine eight trampler coming over, so that's going to end the game quickly. And it also takes these discard spells, which can be bad top decks late, and turns them into fresh cards by looting. So there's a lot of things going on with the Royal Scions here. This is a card I played in my Is It Phoenix deck on Versus Live and was really impressed with. And if people don't have Erupt Decay, then this is a card that's hard to deal with, and that ultimate is also super threatening. Yeah, so uh, the Royal Scions is actually my pick of like the card which stock is probably going to rise the most over the next few months. I think it's very, very good in this format in Pioneer. I think it's going to be good in Standard whenever Standard shakes out. And we even saw it win the Modern Open this weekend in Grixis Grixis Shadow. So uh, I think people underrate the that both the plus ones are good at all times. You know, drawing a card and then discarding a card is just good in this deck because, like you said, you can take your extra stuff and kind of filter it into possibly a new card. But plus two plus zero, first strike and trample is a lot. And like you said, you know, it, it can make uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist better in a lot of spots or it gets, you know, things, thing in the ice through uh, chump blockers. I, I like this card a lot. And I think the stock, and they're not that expensive right now, considering how expensive the other three mana planeswalker is in the format uh, in, uh, in Teferi and Oko. And this card, I think, is, is something that you can definitely like spec on a little bit if you want to spec yeah. in this format. Also, just won the most recent Modern Open 
in Grixis Death Shadow and, and did some work in the games that I watched. So definitely a card to watch out for. So the next deck is one we can kind of, uh, you know, not skim over because it is different than the first one, but this is another red deck. A little bit more burn heavy. And this one's also got a second color involved as a well. A little light white splash here for Boros Charm. It's a really good burn spell. We see it's a staple in the modern list. Uh, but, you know, low creature count at only 16. It's 12 one drops, which is nice with the prowess creatures and Gitu Lava Runner. Lava Runner there to help enable Wizards of Lightning. And then the card that I think is really great in this style of deck specifically with the more burn spells, Runaway Steamkin card that can really help you pump out the burn spells quickly. can also just be a two mana four four. So I think this is a well-built list. Not sure if the burn version of the deck is better than the more creature heavy lists. So play a Tarkas command. Uh, but definitely if this is the style that you want to play, I, I like this list a lot. Yeah, if you like Burn and Modern, this is a deck you're going to naturally gravitate towards. Um, Remnant Ruins is a good little card in the, in the in the decks as well that we've kind of you know, skimmed over, but this is going to be in almost every red deck. Um, I looked at the numbers in the deck, and it almost fell into the traditional old-school red decks of 20, 20, 20, you know, 20 lands, 20 creatures, 20 spells, <laughs> yeah. like 20 burn spells. It's close. It's, it's very close. It's 20 lands, 16 creatures, 24 uh, spells, you know, or burn spells. But I like you. I think this deck is really good. This one is like the most efficient that I think I've seen. All of the cards are super cheap. Like the two mana cards, you're looking at a Runaway Steamkin, which gets you mana back. You're looking at Stoke the Flames is more than two, but let's be real. You know, it only costs like two or three mana most of the time. You're looking at Wizard's Lightning, which a lot of times only costs one. And then you've got Lightning Strike and Boris Charm. This deck casts its spells very efficiently and very, very well. And then another deck that's taking advantage of Searing Blood out of the sideboard. It's even got Eidolon of the Great Revel in the sideboard, which is the thing that we're seeing very common so far in this format, is that the Eidolons have been in the sideboard, not in the main. Yeah, there's a lot of creature-heavy decks. Eidolon is a liability against those. Uh, but, you know, if you're playing against a more spell-heavy deck, like is it Phoenix, you're on the uh, you're going to want this card. And a lot of matchups, you're going to want it specifically on the play, so you'll only bring it in then. So it's a little bit more effective there. But you're... Uh, you know, one of the things I say about burn decks is that people put too many cards in their sideboard that don't deal their opponent damage. And I always improve post sideboard because people overboard and they get stuck with, you know, weird interactive cards in their deck instead of just being the consistent burn deck that they're built to be. This deck sideboard has three Eidolon, three Skullcrack, three Searing Blood, three Exquisite Firecraft in its sideboard, 12 more burn cards, and then three Rest in Peace, which is just a lights out card against graveyard decks. And that's the kind of sideboard card, if it's not dealing the damage, I want it to be a lights out card. Yeah, I like the sideboard a lot. This is my one of my early contenders of decks that I'm looking at. And I'm like, you don't really need to change anything here. Like this, this deck's just good. Yep. You know, like I'm not saying any of these decks aren't good. Like this one just looks at it. I'm like, yeah, this deck just looks perfect. Like I, I like all the numbers. I like everything about it. In fact, like I might sleeve this one up and start, and start burning some people up. I, I think I own actually most of this deck. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on here to Watsi Vendor Reggie V. Uh, I assume they're affiliated with Watsi somehow. I don't know. Uh, but this is a Bant mid-range deck, notably not playing Collected Company. Uh, but some interesting card choices in this one, notably for Fleecemane Lion, a card that maybe is getting overlooked. Yeah, th this is one of those things. It's like, it's another card that when people talk about, it, I'm like, yeah, that card's legal too, right? This card won a Pro Tour. Like, it was a very important card in a Pro Tour winning list. If you remember, Patrick Chapin's Pro Tour yep. that he won. That, like, and this is just a... Yeah, this is just a good threat. It's a 3-3 three, three for green and white. It's got monstrosities. For, so for three green white, you can put a plus one and plus one counter on it. And you can only do this if it's not monstrous. And then if it is monstrous, it has hexproof and indestructible. That's an important line. So you can't kill it once it's been monstrous pretty much in any way in this format. There's maybe a couple ways someone can make you 
uh, sacrifice a creature or thing in the ice can make him pick it up. But against like a lot of the red decks and black decks, if you monstrous this, that's it. it it's it's a four four. It's in play. It's not going anywhere. Yes, and uh, you know even against a control deck too. You know how are they getting rid of this? Settle the wreckage, basically the only way. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost a lot of games playing the blue-white deck in standard against this format where you would Supreme Verdict on four or you Supreme Verdict on five and they would just activate their Fleece Man Lion and then attack you for four and you're like, well, I'm, I'm just going to die to this. Like this, this is something that is going to kill yep. me. Um, along that, you're, you're seeing a lot of what you would expect in like a Bant creature deck with three Ben Inspector, Spell Quellers. There's uh, four Gilded Goose in here to kind of like help out with that mana. There's Scavenging Goose rounding out. And then another card that you and I talked about maybe is being overlooked a little bit, not just in Fleece Mainline, but in Archangel Avacyn. Yeah, you know, really powerful card. We don't really see any way to ensure the transformation with it, but just as five mana, four, four, flash, flying vigilance, counter your Supreme Verdict, that's a solid one of, you know, good combat trick against... Uh, you know, aggressive decks or in any sort of combat-centric matchup. So uh, just a solid, powerful one of at the top of the deck's curve. I'm happy to see something like that here. You know, I like a lot of these Planeswalkers. I love these two copies of Heart of Kirin because they go so well with Oko, Gideon, and Teferi. Just nice, easy card to crew. Fleecebane Lion also notably, crewing Heart of Kirin. Uh, so no, another reason to have that. This is just a... You know, there's not a ton to say about this deck. Nothing about it is really groundbreaking, but it's just a, a lot of solid cards. Mm-hmm. Also, I like Dromokus Command. There's four of them in this deck. And I like what Dromokus Command is like fitting into this format. So uh, Dromokus Command is a green-white instant where you get to choose two uh, of the three modes that are on the card. The first one is prevent all damage target instant or sorcerer would deal his turn. So this is a card that finds its way into being used a lot in the red matchups for one of the three versions. But this version is like it's counterspell out of green-white, which is nice. The second mode is target player sacrifices an enchantment. This is going to be the least used mode, but when you do use this mode, it is usually a very big tur- like spin on the game. You know, usually it's killing something like a detention sphere or a Jeskai ascendancy, you know, something very impactful. And then the last, yeah, kill a course or crew fix. There you go. Uh, or the last mode is just target creature you control fights our creature you don't control. So this is kind of gives the, the deck a little bit of reach, like a little bit of removal, quote unquote, because you can make one of your creatures, you can put a plus one plus one counter uh, on it. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry, there's four modes. I forgot. Yeah. And you can put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. So you can make one of your creatures bigger and fight. This also is another is a way to possibly make Archangel Avacyn flip. You know, you can't ensure it, like you said, yeah. but lots of good flexibility out of Dramokas Command. That card is very, yeah, very uh, good. For those who weren't playing when Dragons of Tarkir was standard legal, Dromoka's Command was the best removal spell in the format. And it was one of the reasons, it was yeah, it was one of the reasons that, that the Selesnya token stack of that day with Nissa Voices Endicar and Gideon Allies Endicar was so good. It's because it, the Selesnya deck actually had a premier removal spell. And most of the time, you're just two mana instant speed, plus a plus one counter, fight your creature, which is a removal spell that's leaving behind some upside. Uh, you know, but those other two modes, when they came up, they were almost always devastating. Like uh, Tannen said, you're destroying a really key enchantment or you're countering a, a critical burn spell like a searing blood, which is one of like the, the best burn spells against green white creature decks. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a really, really powerful card. And if you're playing in Selesnya colors, that's a card you're going to want to look to and you're going to want to put some number in your deck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next deck we have on the list, uh, we're looking at another variant of Mono Red. And this one's a little bit different than the last ones. Um, you're looking at more of a creature-centric one. We've got Eidolons in the main. 
Uh, we've got four Goblin Chain World in the main, four Runaway Steam in the main. But the big difference that you're seeing here from the earlier ones, you're seeing four Torbrin in the main. Have you seen Torbrin happen with a Goblin Chain Roller yet? I saw this happen. I with have not Deist seen it, except in my dreams slash nightmares, depending on which side of the table I'm on. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is definitely absurd. It's like just a one a one sided wrath. Use most of the time against most creature decks. Goblin Chain Roller is just good in this format anyway. It's 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 hell in any of the green decks. You know, it kills all the land off variants and then some of the other. Uh, ramp creatures but if you get to pair of torburn that's absurd and this is one that's playing a four of in slaying fire that you and i talked about that like maybe wasn't seeing enough love out of some of these decks while three mana is a lot uh char with no drawback is yeah pretty i dang agree good. and we said earlier that that fourth point dealing with felidar guardian really important right now so i like these slaying fires here in a slightly more creature centric build you know the more burn heavy list you just wanted to be super mana efficient so a three mana spell was something you weren't Right. super into but this is a deck with 24 creatures it wants to get those creatures through so it wants to kill felidar guardians that are blocking it wants to kill courses of crew fix and other four toughness cards that are getting in the way of your attackers slang fire can do that and with torbrin it can kill even bigger creatures six toughness yeah you're seeing four lava coil on the cyborg too this person understands that the creatures are the backbone of their deck in, in damage dealing and they need to get them through so definitely a good build of, of mono red here yep and an interesting one mm-hmm. um Ooh, next deck. I, uh, <laughs> as, as Tanny can probably tell you, I have an unhealthy love for mono green aggressive decks. Yes. Action. This is Killer Popo's mono green stompy deck, but I've got to say one thing about it. Where are your aspect of Hydras? Okay, so you have an unnatural love, A, for this deck, B, for the card uh, aspect of Hydra, and I need you to turn it down like 10 to 20% on on that, on that card in this deck. Four Steel Leaf Champion and four Yorvor Lord of Garenbrig. That's eight cards that provide three devotion. Yeah, I understand. You have so much devotion in this deck and four Burning Tree Emissary. Your Aspect of Hydras are going to deal like 12 damage. No, I understand that's a good card. I'm just trying to get you to simmer down just a little bit, Ross, because I hate to break it to you, Mono Green Stompy, probably not great. Probably not great, but I like a little bit of what's going on here. You know, once oh, upon a time, I hope you get your mana creatures. We got a lot of three, like, you know, there's eight mana creatures for once upon a time, and then there's 12 really good three drops in Yorvo, Steel of Champion, and newly printed Lovestruck Beast. So you're getting a five power creature down on turn two very often in this deck. And then your other cards sort of key off of it. You got Air of the Wilds as your two drop. So that's going to be ferocious a lot of the time. Just be two mana, three, three death touch. We have Ronus the Indomitable, another three mana, five power creature that can give your biggins trample. We got Blossoming Defense to protect him. I'm not, I don't know. This deck, this deck no, might not, do stuff. I'm not hating the deck. I mean, I do think Blossoming Defense, especially early in the format, is going to surprise a lot of people. And will also just flat out win you games. Because people might wait until your combat stuff, try to kill your creature, and you can just blossoming defense and kill them because you get the extra damage. And I don't think this deck is bad. I think this deck is actually pretty decent. It's also like uh, I want to say like a pretty very like this deck's cheap, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like this is a really good budget deck. I think you know if you're not looking to spend like three hundred dollars on your pioneer deck, you could probably get this deck for like under a hundred. Yeah, the only cool. real expensive card looks like Once Upon a Time, right? Well, there's Once Upon a Time, and there's um. There's two Veil of Summers. Those are like $8 a piece right now. <laughs> this is ridiculous and common. Yeah, it's like uh, the most expensive card in the deck that's not named Once Upon a Time. But yeah, the card, it's even got Castle Garenbrig in here to kind of like make sure you can pump out two creatures in one turn. You know, yeah, two for your three drops. So going from five yeah. to six is actually going to be relevant. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and with your mana creatures, you're going to be doing that before turn five. That's going to be a turn yeah. four 
uh, turn four kind of play. So you can get ahead that way. Last thing I want to say about this deck is they adhering to the rule that I have put forth in standard and pioneer right now. I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter the other day. If your deck contains the cards and numerous cards of forest and creatures, you need to be playing as many once upon a time as you can. Oof. And they have done that. Yes. And I, I like this deck a lot. I think this deck is very consistent. Um, I think once upon a time is there to pretty much ensure that you have a Elvish mystic or land where elves on turn one. And then your deck is going to steamroll from there. Biggest thing about this deck, you need to probably ag- aggressively mulligan your sevens if there's no ramp in it. And you want to make sure those those live somehow. <laughs> I know you don't really have uh, any way to you know control that, but you definitely want to make sure that you're casting Elvish Mystic or Land Elves on one. Yeah, so. Wild Slash and Fatal Push might be a problem, but when you get to play your three drops on turn two, uh, you'll be in good shape. Yep. Moving on, we have the... Uh, how, how would you pronounce this? Uh, I, I, here's the thing. I thought about this. I remember reading their name. I like to think of it that they're a big fan of Queen. Okay. And this is just Freddie Mercury? Yeah, it's just AO. Oh, yeah. It's AOAO. Because their name is A-O-O-A-A-O-O-A. <laughs> so I think I think they're just a big Freddie Mercury fan and they're just saying AO. Hey. But I could be way wrong. <laughs> obviously. I'll give you that one. Uh, they're playing a Golgari Soul Flare deck. Yeah, Soul Flayer, really interesting card. This is four black, black, four, four demon with a delve. And if a creature card with flying was exiled with Soul Flayer's delve ability, Soul Flayer has flying. But the same is true for, and hold on, first strike, double strike, death touch, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, reach, trample, and vigilance. So if you exile the right cards, you can give this card a lot of abilities. And so we got yeah, the card and we a see, lot of abilities. Yeah, and we see a lot of cards in this deck that have a lot of abilities, like Questing Beast is in this deck, Lawl of Troll is in this deck to kind of help fuel that for Delve as well. But you're also seeing, and uh, this is a card, if you if you go in the right time, you can find this in the like 25 cent rare bin. Uh, <laughs> is it Zatalpa? Is, is that how you yeah, pronounce Zatalpa. it? Zatalpa. Zatalpa the Primal Dawn, which is a six white, white, four, eight legendary flying elder dinosaur that has flying double strike vigilance trample and indestructible so this is kind of like your um i literally just blanked what's the name of the angel with all the keywords uh acroma yeah this is like your acroma you just put this in the yard you've also got the card gather the pack in the in in this which also you know put some cards from your library into your graveyard and you have grizzly salvage both of which that's what they do you cast them you find some creatures you put stuff in your graveyard and you try to soul flare as quickly as possible um I'm not the biggest fan of these decks because it always seems like really cute and stuff to me. Like what happens if you don't soul flare someone or the card just doesn't resolve? I think it's going to be hard to win. Like, I don't know how this deck beats a lot of the, the, the blue white decks in the format, but it's cool, right? Like I've got a bunch of guys at my local gaming store that love soul flare. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. You're definitely uh, pretty reliant, but this list in particular is less reliant on Soul Flare. And Questing Beast, it's got Murderous Rider, Lotleth Troll. These are cards that can do some damage, you know, on their own and can stand alone. The only real brick in the deck is Zatalpa Primal Dawn. So that's the only card you really want to put in the graveyard. Lotleth Troll helps get it there. Gather the Pack helps get it there. Grizzly Salvage helps get it there. So 
you know, you should be able to consistently do that, not have it languish in your hand and get the cards that you want into your hand. You know, if your soul flare gets countered, let's questing beast them. I think that's a really underrated card in this format. There's a lot of these three yeah, planeswalkers sure. around. Questing beast is really good at dealing with them. We see it in the sideboard of a lot of the green devotion decks to bring in against those planeswalker decks that are going to, you know, stop you from going too big. So you need to be more mid range. Questing beast is a great mid range threat for that. And it's great here, both as a standalone threat and as a card that you can delve to, uh, Soul Flare and give it a lot of abilities, Vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste. So uh, I think this list in particular is well-built for this deck because it's built to be as uh, as less reliant on Soul Flare as possible. Yeah, I definitely got to agree with you there. I was going to say, can we talk about how underrated Questing Beast is, but you kind of beat me to it. Uh, last thing I want to say about the deck before we leave, I do want to let everybody know, the only way you can cast this as a Balta in this deck is if you have two Karyatids in play. There are no white-producing lands <laughs> in this deck. So I am ready for that. Yeah, this one, if, if, if your opponent gets this deck and someone hard casts the Primal Dawn on you, uh, you need to file for comp. Yeah. So, uh, But we do see th three forests, 24 creatures, four once upon a time. So tan and stamp, yep. stamp of approval. We, yep. we follow the rules. <laughs> There's, there, I have a camera in front of me. It's not on, but I have a thumbs up just so just everyone at home can, can feel, you know, into it. So Okay, uh, next deck from B-flat. This is Esper Control. Uh, you know, this is a, a base blue-white deck, and we do actually see four copies of Sphinx's Revelation in this list. So they, they really mean Sphinx's Revelation. And when I played a four-revelation list, my issue was that the early removal in white was really bad. And so that's what this list is trying to fix by going to Esper. The only main deck black cards are four Fatal Push, three Cast Down. So we're just there for removal, good spot removal. We've got some Thought Seizes in the sideboard to help in control mirrors or against combo decks. But we're mainly just looking to improve our spot removal from the really horrible options that White has, like Silk Wrap and Seal Away and Stasis Snare, all that enchantment-based removal. You know, the, These spells, they work well with our Jace Friends Prodigies. Only two copies here, but still important. And uh, we've got four copies of Opt. We've got two sensors, so we can you know hit our land drops early. Sensor is sort of this deck's hieroglyphic illumination. No gear hulks, so we're mainly there for another piece of cheap interaction. You know, sometimes you just get to counter their three drop on the draw, and that, that's a really big game. And when you draw this card late, it just cycles away. Big fan of sensor. Yeah, and this is how my my friend wanted to build a blue white deck, and he wanted to play Sphinx Revelation. And I told him I think this is the way to build a deck, just off the top of my head. It's just a bunch of spells, planeswalkers. And then uh, Splash Black for Fatal Push, pretty much. You know, like Cast Down helps out a lot. But you just want to be killing creatures early. And I want to move... Honestly, building these kind of decks, I want to move away from Detention Sphere and all the Detention Sphere effects as much as I can with how prevalent Abrupt Decay is in the format. Every green-black deck has like three to four Abrupt Decay in it. And this is an easy way to lose the game when you could possibly just play more removal or like other ways to deal with, you know pesky permanence but maybe it's just a necessary evil that we have to yeah have. you know if you if you want a non-enchantment based removal spell excuse me that answers planeswalkers you're gonna have to look towards heroes downfall and this deck only has 12 black sources you do have some cantrips to help you out but you're gonna need a little bit more if you want to play downfall but i think that's doable you know if you want to get there yeah. just you know massage the man a little bit i don't think it's that hard to play you know two or three heroes downfalls in your deck uh, and I agree, there's a lot of abrupt decays. That's something I'd like to see as well. But I'm I'm here for four things in relation. This 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 speaks to me on a primal level uh, of being such a fan of that card. But this this is a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. If if you're dead set on revelating 
uh, I think this is, this is where you want to be. You, you want to have that black removal. So look towards uh, B flats list here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking speaking of black blue decks, we have another one in the, in the next one, and this one's um a little more all over the place, but still with like a control idea of what they want to do. This is uh, screen screenwriter New York. Screen screen screenwriter New York. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I almost mispronounced screenwriter New York. And this one's just your typical blue black deck with uh, one of the only four ofs being four Jason's Prodigy, four Thoughtseize, four Heroes Downfall. And then just a bunch of removal. You know, we see like one search for Escanta, two Liliana, the last hope. This is a card you haven't seen a ton in the control decks, but maybe this is like a more value-oriented one. You want to make sure they get back their Jaces. They have a Kalidus, two Torrential Gear Hulks that works well with Liliana, the last hope. Uh, this one does have a Jake, Jake, a Jace Architect of Thought in it, which is a, I think, underplayed Blue Planeswalker in this format. I think people forgot how good Jace Architect of Thought is. The minus two is very good for... So, okay. Jace is a four mana... Uh, planeswalker it's two blue blue it's plus one says until your next turn uh whenever a creature and opponent control attacks it gets minus one minus zero to the turn so that right there shuts down the feldar guardian combo you got a billion so you, they're it's actually just, yeah they're oh four so they can attack you with a hundred million of them you take zero uh it's minus two is reveal the top three cards of your library an opponent separates those into two piles you put one of the piles into your hand and the other one on the bottom of your library so kind of like mini factor fictions except it doesn't go to the graveyard and then it's minus eight, lets you search your opponent's deck and cast a card from there uh, without paying its mana cost. So some really cool stuff there. Like you can go find their big thing, you know, or whatever. So, and it starts at four loyalty. So, you know, four or five turns down the line, which your deck's very good at keeping you alive. You can ultimate this Planeswalker. I think this one's going to see a little bit more play depending on how popular the Sahili Rai combo is because this de- it's a good card in most matchups that just has a built-in way of stopping that deck. Period. Yeah, I completely agree. We're seeing a lot of cat combos, so I expect to see a lot of Jace. I think it's really easy to underestimate the mini factor fiction from the minus two ability. You know, you think of it like, well, I'm either going to get two mediocre cards or one good card. So it's kind of like anticipate with upside. But what you don't realize is it's pretty hard to make that split from the other side of the table. I mean, you know, as your opponent, I don't know what's in your hand. I don't know exactly what you're looking for. And sometimes, you know, I make a judgment call and I'm wrong and you just get the two best cards out of the top three and suddenly you're way ahead. My favorites with it was when you would like turn for it and you'd play it. And then like on your turn, you would just start your like you would untap immediately minus two your planeswalker. Right. And you would flip over like land, land, spell. And they would always put it as like land, land and spell. And you're just like, you're looking at this hand of like five spells and no lands. And you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. And um, there was a there was a big thing that we talked about a lot, especially like in the mirror when Jace uh, Architect of Thought was, uh, was popular. One of the first things that I always always do in the mirror, especially if they were, you know, on six or seven cards, whenever they would Jason minus two, and they'd be like, all right, split them. And I would just go, yep. And they'd be like, what? I'm like three and zero. <laughs> yeah, just, just pick them up, start discarding. You know, we'll just get through your deck faster. But uh, anyway... Before going through that, uh, this is another deck that's just like a whole bunch of removal spells, a couple little ways to win the game, and we're hoping to you know tie it all together. You're looking at two Clash of Wills, three Dig Through Time, three Drown of the Lock, four Fatal Push, two Heroes Downfall, two Liliana's Triumph. They are ready to kill some Hexproof creatures in here. Uh, a Murderous Cut, two Opt, and one Slumgar's Command. This is a wide range of counter spells, removal spells, and just things spells that do stuff plus Dig Through Time. Honestly, it, it's a wide range. It looks like they're covering everything. Like they've got all the answers they need. So I'm looking at this deck and I'm thinking, do we need white in our control decks? Should we just need the mirror? Wait, I don't. I, 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 maybe you don't. Maybe the only white card you need is actually just splash for rev. 
And do you even need that? We've got torrential gear hole and digger time in this deck. Is that better than revelation and Jace and search first can't do? We've got card advantage. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is. The only thing that I say is like when you have Turnshill Gear Hulk and they're not leaning super hard into it, right? They have two copies of it, not like four. But when it, whenever you're putting Turnshill Gear Hulk into decks like this, I always want you to think about uh, possibly playing uh, some Illuminations just as like an easier way to draw cards off your Hulk or to play. Um, God, I'm literally blanking on the card. Um, the one that you put a card on top of their library, like second from the top or the other one. Um, memory. Yeah, commit memory. Obviously, my memory doesn't work for commit memory. <laughs> and uh, I think that card is slightly underplayed in this format, especially when it comes to Torrential Gear Hulk. It can answer Planeswalkers. It can answer spells on the stack. A lot of cool things. Plus, I like that you can flashback the back end of it and just draw a bunch of cards, you know, as the game goes on. Yeah, no, that's a nice little singleton. Gives you a lot of versatility. I like those rounding out my removal packages. So I'm in for that. Mm -hmm. What I am not in for is playing Clash of Wills when Syncopate is a legal card in the format. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm wondering what's going on there uh, with that. Uh, maybe they... A little bit, you know, people are just like, oh, this card seems good, and I like, don't realize that there's a, a basically strictly better card. You know, that's an overused phrase of magic, but kind of is. Just, just get some Syncopates in your deck. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Just get some Syncopates in your deck. Yeah, I do think that this is an early, uh, early push for like one of the better pure control decks. Like, if you like being a control deck... Look up uh, Screenwriter New York's 5-0 list. Definitely like it. Uh, yeah. And my, one more thing on this deck. I think Languish is really good. There's not a lot of 5 toughness creatures. Yeah. You know, we're not seeing a lot of Siege Rhino. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with we're you. We're on Sultai now. It's Oko's world. Siege Rhino is looking, looking from the sidelines. So if Languish is basically as good as Supreme Verdict, then I don't see why you need white. Because Supreme Verdict to me is the big draw to white. So 100% agree with you. Uh, and kind of moving on, I'm really interested to hear what your notes say about this. The deck. first two words are sweet deck. This is the second of our sweet decks from the, the deck dump. And, and, you know, I like decks that find interesting ways to bleed sort of different shells together and make it work. And this deck does that by taking it's a, it's, this is a PMK. This is an Abzan aristocrat shell, but it's also a human tribal deck. So it gets to be sort of half aggro deck, half aristocrats deck without really losing much because we're playing, you know, good aggressive creatures, blood soaked champion, dauntless bodyguard, which sacrifices by itself, Kithian, you know, so we've got 10, one mana, two ones. That's a nice start to an aggressive deck. Nice base. We're playing our cartel aristocrat as a sacrifice outlet. That's a human. We've got our Thalia's Lieutenant, you know, just really good aggressive card, really powerful card. We got four Zathrid Necromancer. You know, awesome anti-sweeper technology, awesome with our sack outlets, can just, you know, create a bunch of sacrifice triggers, make a bunch of zombies. Zulu Pork Cutthroat, you know, classic in Aristocrats style decks, also a human. So we're, we're blending all the synergies together. We've got Liliana Heretical Healer. Human goes well with all these sacrifice synergies. I'm a little worried that we don't have enough sacrifice outlets. We only have Cartel Aristocrat uh, and Playcrafter. So not a ton, but we have collect, we're splashing Collected Company. That's where the Abzan comes in. It's a green splash for that, and just Channeler Initiate. Not really sold on these Channeler Initiates. I think that's, that's where you can find space for another Sacrifice Outlet, and then splash your Collected Companies. You know, This is a nice way to take that human aggro kind of theme and this Aristocrats theme and mesh them together, and you've got a deck that looks like it can do both, when most of the time, when people try to do this, they have a deck that does neither. Mm-hmm. 
and the only thing that I want to say about this deck is, besides agreeing with you in the channel, channeler initiates, uh, you know, you kind of look at it, you're like, oh, well, this is a card that gets bigger and it can help fix your mana. If you look at the mana in this deck, it's actually really good. This runs four Blooming Wash, four Concealed Courtyard, four Godless Shrine, four Overgrown Tomb, four Unclaimed Territory, and a Plains. I actually think the mana base is like one of the easiest in the format because you have so many of these fast dual lands plus Unclaimed Territory that you're always casting these like, you know, black into black white spells or white into black black spells very quickly. Yes, uh, I, I do think the mana is pretty good. I'm concerned about casting Collected Company specifically. There's only eight green sources for it because Unclaimed Territory doesn't work. I honestly think territory is not that good in this deck because all the creatures are black and white. And so you don't need a try land to get your creatures cast. You need a try land to get your collected company, which is your flashcard cast. Huh. Okay. I could get behind that. So that, the, uh, you know, that, that's where I, I, I would look. I, I think we want to cut Chandler initiate just flash collected company, basically be an Orzov deck. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, a Golgari or a Selesnya human that we want. Sure, like you, you can find a way to fit that in. But I think we want two more, I would say, green sources for Collected Company before I'm, you know, 10 is still the low end, but I, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Eight, that, that's just not enough. Yeah. And so uh, moving on to the next deck, I think this one's very, uh, the the name of the person playing, this one's very apt for what the deck does. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine uh, Ryan Overturf saying this while playing the prowess on stream. This is bing, blang, blau. Yeah, and so uh, like, like you alluded to, it is a prowess deck, but um, it's a prowess deck splashing green. Yeah, so we're splashing green for Atarka's Command and then potentially for Collision Colossus for, for the Colossus side. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit in the side work too. We got a Veil of Summer. You, know, you can't leave home without that. Just destructive revelry. And yeah. two Cinder Vines. We're really hating on on artifacts and enchantments here. Might be a little heavy on that, but I like Cinder Vines as a card. We got a lot of decks playing a lot of spells, and that's a nice thing that you can play proactively. You know, sometimes revelry gets stuck in your hand if they don't draw their enchantment or artifact. Cinder Vines, you can cast proactively, get your prowess triggers out of it, and then it might deal them some incidental damage along the way. So I, I like Cinder Vines quite a bit in this deck. Yep, this deck's pretty straightforward. You're just going to see four Skull Scar Mage, four Monastery Swift Spear, four Dreadhead Arcanist, two Blister Core Weirds, the typical you know spells you'd expect to see with the Collision Colossus that Ross uh, mentioned, a Tarkus Command, and then one that I haven't seen in a while out of a certain deck in Modern, but this has got two Teamer Battle Rage in it just for that oops, killed you kind of draw. Yeah, and you know, with Dreadhorde Arcanist, you can run these creatures up pretty big, not just with prowess creatures, but with flashing back these pump spells, you know, Colossus, my Arcanist, attack, flashback of the Colossus with the Arcanist, battle rage. That's 18. On turn. Yeah, and this deck's going to kill some people really fast and out of nowhere because they don't know, you know, the format's still pretty new. You're not going to understand the range of this deck. Yeah, you know, let's just think like if you go Swift Spear into Arcanist, you've attacked with Swift Spear twice. So they're, you know, they've taken two. Then you untap on turn three. If you, you Atarka's command, pump your team, deal them three. Now your Arcanist is two power, so it can target the Atarka's command when you attack. So you get to a command twice. So you've dealt them six. They're at 12. Your Swift Spear has two prowess triggers and two pumps from command. That's a five power. And your Arcanist is three power. So they're at four with just those three cards on turn three. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, I, that's a, a, a Tarkus command, Dreadheart Arcanist. We talked about Arcanist in, it, in that Grixis shell. I think it works really, really well here too. I think Arcanist is a super underrated card right now. You know, the red removal doesn't do a lot to target it because people are playing Wild Slash and Shock. You know, it, it dies to Fatal Push, but you know those Fatal Pushes are going to be targeting your one drops most of the time. So you're actually stressing that cheap removal, and your Arcanist is going to live, I think, a little bit more often than you think. 
Uh, and you could even play some like um, uh, Blossoming Defense in this deck. Only eight green sources, maybe one or two. But but you could try to get squeeze it in there. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think he'd be fit in there. Okay. Uh, moving along, we have LIDAR's 5-0 Zombies list. This is basically the, you know, standard zombie deck. We've got our Crypt Breakers, Diagraph Ghouls, you know, Dread Wanderers, Dark Salvation. Uh, big addition, you know, this is sort of standard deck updated. You know, we expected a lot of this early on. Uh, we've got four Death Baron as another uh, Lord. And a, an underrated addition here, I think, is three Lazatep Reaver. Now, this is a zombie itself. It amasses one, so it makes a zombie. So when you have Lords out, and this deck plays, uh, you know, four Lord of the Accursed, four Death Baron, now your Lazadep Reaver that was two power is four power, then six power. It's getting essentially double pumped by the Lord. But it's also two bodies with Crypt Breaker. So you curve Crypt Breaker into Lazadep Reaver, you can draw an extra card starting turn two. And, and it's an extra body for Dark Salvation. I know. I've been singing the praises of Lazadep Reaver and Standard for quite a while. I think this is just an underrated card. Uh, but, you know, Standard has just been such a hot mess that cards like this haven't had a chance to shine. And I'm glad that it's shining here. Uh, I, I think that's a very heady addition from LiDAR uh, to just sort of, you know, raise this deck's power level that extra notch. Honestly, I would play the fourth copy of Lazadep Reaver before the fourth copy of Relentless Dead. Yeah, I, I definitely can get behind you on that. I don't think there's much to say about this deck other than, you know, what you said. You probably hit the nail on the head there. Except for, I do like any deck that gets to play for Mutavolt. Oh, yes. This is one of my favorite cards in all of Pioneer. You know, I love Utility Lands, and this is just so good. And, you know, plays well with the Lords, as all, all creature types. Yeah, another really, really strong addition to this deck. Uh, one thing that I'm, I'm a big fan of in this deck is this is the kind of deck that you can invest in, get, play a lot, see a lot of success with, and you're pretty much guaranteed to never get a card banned from your deck here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're losing anything anything from this deck. And this is definitely, it. you know, the, this deck can compete. You've got good disruption. You've got all the good black removal. you got great utility lands, uh, you know, good mana sync and dark salvation, some powerful cards. Uh, th this could be, and card advantage from Crypt Breaker. So this, is a, this could be an underrated deck. Well, uh, also has four Castle Lockdwain in it, another good Mana Sync plus card advantage engine that, you know, usually is not going to hurt you because you're the aggressor in almost every one of your matchups, so. Yep. Okay, next we have EJK. Uh, this is a, another Mono Red Prowess deck. Two notable cards from this list. I guess it actually is it. We are splashing Charter Courts and Treasure Cruise. So I like the Treasure Cruise splash, but a notable additions, Incendiary Flow, really easy card to overlook. Is this card good? Uh, I think so. So I saw this in a couple lists and I was thinking about it. This card might be pretty good in this format because it can go anywhere for one. You know, it, it goes to creatures, planeswalkers, or their face. But it also removes some cards from the game. And you saw like even with just the last list, like just killing some cards off the zombie list or off the, uh, what was it, the humans list that we were talking about as well. Some of these might be important just to remove the card from the game. It's still very early in the format, so we're not 100% sure. But it's better safe than sorry, right? Yeah, I know we've seen a lot of Arc Light Phoenixes. There might be some Scrap Heap Scroungers. I definitely like the Exile Clause. And, you know, I think overall, Magma Spray is a little bit better because it's just a cleaner answer, instant speed. Most of these uh, recursive creatures are pretty small. But in a Prowess deck, you want your burn spells to be able to go upstairs so that you can always cast them and get your prowess triggers. So in this deck specifically, I like Incendiary Flow because it can go upstairs. So you make sure it's never going to sit in your hand if your opponent's not playing a lot of creatures. So yeah, no, uh, I, I'm I'm here for it. 
I actually like the Incendiary Flows much more than something like uh, Magnus Spray in this deck alone because it's leaning on Finale of Promise. Like it has two Finale of Promise in the deck and you want, it's the, it needs a two mana burn spell in the deck because you're already seeing like Shock, Wild Slash and some other stuff. So you want to make sure that you have a sorcery at two mana other than just Chart, of course. So I definitely like the inclusion of Incendiary Flow here. Ooh, that's a, yeah. I've been <laughs> I've been making that point about Finale to a bunch of people, but I didn't have a removal spell in mind that I would want to add, and Flow is definitely that. So yeah, great. I, I really want to have a sorcery speed removal spell. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also pretty sweet with uh, with Searing Blood as well. <laughs> if you ever get to flash that one back off Finale, I promise. Who boy. Oh, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of sweet, we have our third sweet deck of the night. This one is from Johnny Hot Sauce. Yeah, not not surprised he's got a sweet deck, by the yeah, way. Yeah, this is Andrew Shrout, uh, the man I actually lived with when I first moved to Roanoke in 2016. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shrouts, by oh, the way. Oh, everyone's a big fan of Shrout, including me. So we're, we're two thumbs up from this cast, Andrew, and two thumbs up for this deck, because this is a nice one. I'm just calling it Rakdos Madness. Uh, you know, we've got four Fiery Temper and four Voldaren Pariah for Madness cards, this is a three black black three three flying with madness for black black black, but if you sacrifice three other creatures, it transforms. When it transforms, it becomes a six five flyer, and it sets off a triggered ability that makes your opponent sacrifice three creatures. So really really powerful card. If you've got some spare bodies to you know throw around to it, and this deck does with recursive creatures like Scrappy Scrounger and Haunted Dead. You know Haunted Dead makes that extra token. We've got Prized Amalgam as another Recursive Threat, and then Stitcher Supplier, a card you usually actively want to sacrifice so that you can mill yourself even more. You know, that self-mill works with the Scrap Heaps and the Prized Amalgams. We've got Crypt Breaker and Smuggler's Copter to get cards in the graveyard as well and enable madness. And we've got Bomat Courier to enable madness. You know, some 1-1 one, one sitting around like Stitcher Supplier can crew a Copter. Copter's been a really powerful card so far in Pioneer, definitely proved its weight after being banned in Standard. Uh, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the removal suite here. Fiery Temper is seeing a lot of play in the Is It Phoenix decks. You know, going upstairs is really nice. And then Lightning Axe, a one mana instant speed removal spell that answers Felidar Guardian and plays well with your deck. Uh, I'm this is just a well put together deck. Yeah. Uh, what did you call it again? What was the name you gave? Rakdos it? Madness. See, I just called it Dredgeless Dredge because <laughs> <laughs> it's got so many of the dredge cards. Sorry, guys. No, you went for the other aspect of it. You know, it's got these sort of dredge-like cards and Stitcher Supplier and the Self Mill, and then it's got this Madness discard theme, and they fold into each other because when you draw your Stitcher Suppliers and your Haunted Deads, you know, uh, or not so, when you draw your Prized Amalgams and your Haunted Deads and your Scrap Heap Scroungers, you can get them in the graveyard with the, the Copters and the Lightning Axes. Uh, and then, or you can just mill them and, and get them for free that way. So th- this deck is going to generate a lot of value. It's going to be pretty aggressive, more than you might think by just looking at it. And it's got seven good removal spells. So that's just a, you know, that's a good package. Seven removal spells and Voldarn Pry. So more like 11. And we got a lot of card advantage with Crypt Breaker and Bowmat Courier. Card advantage from our recursive threats. We've got card selection with Smuggler's Copter. Our mana base looks pretty good because we're super heavy black and we can just sort of touch red. We still have 12 red sources in the mana base. So uh, I like a lot of what's going on here. And, I, I, you know, sometimes deck like the, decks like these are a little bit mopey. I'm hoping with Smuggler's Copter and the good removal, this one isn't because this is the kind of deck I would love to be good in Pioneer, to be, you know, tier one. Yeah, this is one of those decks, uh, last thing I'm going to say about it, is that 
you heard rumblings of when it was in standard because almost every one of these cards in this deck worked together in standard were around the same amount of time but you didn't have stitcher supplier and obviously we didn't have smugglers copter because it got banned a little bit too soon but almost every other deck was you know legal around each other and this is like it took a deck that was like right on the fringe of being very good in a standard and then added a card that got banned added a card from you know another standard format that helped it out and it really seems like it just pushed it over the top yeah uh, and that's a that's a good find, you know, finding those shells that were almost there in standard and realizing that, you know, we now have the tools to fill those holes. Uh, you know, good, good find from Shroud. Pro Tour top eight competitor, Andrew Shroud. Yeah, I like how you've labeled your decks uh, sweet deck, because if if I had physically done that, this this next one would be the one of the ones that labeled sweet deck for me. I don't know if you did that. You would have had labeled several of these because as yeah, we go through the list, there's a lot of these decks. This is Hedron Crab playing an uh, and Soul Artifact Aggro deck. You know what we said? We call it Scissors, I guess. That's what it was called when uh, did really well at, at Pro Tour Magic Origins, uh, and that's the you know similar shell going on here. This isn't is it shell, but we'll see different ones uh, a little bit later on. But you know, cheap artifact creatures and Soul Artifact to put on a lot of pressure. Ghost Fire Blade as this really powerful equipment when you're playing a lot of colorless creatures, and then some good interaction. Shrapto Blast, a really powerful burn spell when you have these this many artifacts. We've got our Shock Slash, you know, if you want to play uh, um, Wild Slash instead, that's fine. Uh, but I like the selection of creatures here. Bomet Courier and Ginger Brute are both pretty reasonable creatures on their own. Stone Coil Serpent is a card that you can play on turn one. It has protection from certain removal spells, you know, Coligan's Command, Abrupt Decay, you know, uh, you know, Dramocus Command, things like that. Pro Multicolored. It'll also get, be a little bit bigger if you insole it because it comes uh, enters the battlefield with plus and plus counters, and it's a zero zero. So basically, whatever you paid X for it, and Soul will put five on top of that instead of just setting it to five. So uh, you know, has Trample too. So when it gets big, it's a really nice target for Insole. And then, you know, we can still do our soul my dark still set to Del, turn my land into a creature, have it be indestructible. Then you get to use the singleton rapid hybridization, target my dark still citadel, get a 3-3 for free. Uh, I'm in for cool synergies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deck also plays Animating Fairy and Skilled Animator. Uh, skilled Animator is a 1-3 for 2 and a blue. When it comes to play target artifact you control, it becomes a 5-5. Five, five. That's pretty much what it does. Animating Fairy does something very similar. Um, the sorcery side of it is Brain to Life, which it's two and a blue. It's a target non-creature artifact you control. becomes a zero zero artifact creature. Put four plus one plus one counters on it. Another one that works well with Insole Artifact, which is a one and a blue enchantment that makes a artifact creature you control a five five in addition to its other types. So all this stuff works well together. Uh, I just wanted to add one more thing onto it. So you definitely hit on this. I'm a big, big fan of Stone Coil Serpent. I also think this is another card that you can get and get a lot of right now because i do think that it's very very good in this format um it has region trample like you said those those abilities can come in the x of you know the x ability plus plus one counters is big but being having protection from most of the common removal spells plus uh oko and teferi don't touch this card and it also does a very good job of killing those cards uh i like this card a lot right now uh, we're having trouble of keeping this card in stock at my local uh, game store as well. I think this card is poised for a move. And a lot of decks like this, uh, any like the hardened scaled versions of anything like that in this format, Stone Cold Serpent should be a four of in your deck. Hmm. Uh, I think really good points there. Matching up against those Planeswalkers are really important and not something uh, that had sunk in with me. And, and yeah, you know, I, I'm now higher on this card than I was 20 seconds ago. 
Yeah, I, I think it's like one of the sleepers of Thorn of Eldraine is like it kind of got looked over. It's a very good limited card and it's going to start showing up in a lot of spots just because I get certain decks and I get certain strategies. Like, can you imagine having this card against the uh, Niv-Mizzet deck? I don't think they can touch it. <laughs> yeah, like every card in the they can block doesn't touch it. Goose. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and you just trample over because your, your creature is humongous and you've put a bunch of other stuff onto it. And yeah. I mean, also this works well with like you could you could play it on one and then just put an insult artifact on it. Yeah. Or you can skilled animator it or animating fairy it. You know, the insult yeah. artifact is a very powerful card. I'm a little surprised not to see Stubborn Denial, which is a, a really nice pairing with that card that we've seen in the past. Uh, but spell pierce is solid and a little bit more consistent, so I can understand that. And then uh, we, we obviously get to play four smugglers copter. You know, we've got Ginger Brute and Bomat Courier, one copy of P and Cure in the Lar that can make tokens to crew the copter. Just such a powerful card, slots easily into this deck. So you know, this is a shell that we'll see a couple more variants of it. This might be, you know, a, a sleeper deck in the format. No, absolutely. I think I think this deck's great. Okay. Next one, we got Joker10289 playing another cat deck. This is a pretty common shell for the Sahili combo, and it is a Jeskai Planeswalkers deck. This one a little bit more controlling. We got main deck sweepers in Supreme Verdict and Deafening Clarion, but basically a super friends deck. Nine, 16 Planeswalkers in this one. The four Sahilis, we got four Teferi, three Narset, two Chandra Torch of Defiance, a Jace Architect of Thought that we mentioned earlier, and then two copies of Sarkin the Masterless, which I like because it gives this deck a little bit of an extra angle where you can play that super friend style, where you're generating value with your Planeswalkers, keeping them off balance with Teferi, and suddenly you play Sarkin and you're attacking for eight and then 12 and the game's over. Yeah, I was going to say, this one's pretty similar to what we've seen. You know, not a lot going on here. It's different except for the Sarkin the Masterless, like you mentioned. It's got Oath of Chandra, another way to kind of protect itself early in the game and then like you said just getting in the the extra couple points from oath of chandra if you play a sark in the matchless at the right time the game just ends on the spot yep or they take too much to ever be able to come back from this so i think this is a really well-built list for week one out of a jeskai deck that's doing the feldar guardian oops i kill you thing which is the Rai, but also does all this other stuff that's going on as well so i definitely like this deck a lot the mana base is great it's playing four mystic monasteries you know something i hadn't seen in a while i actually just really like that land I love the art, love the land. I love Jeskai, so big fan. It's got a really good, robust sideboard with a bunch of good removal and good counter spells and good answers in it. I, I like this deck a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the better shells. Uh, I agree with you on Mystic Monastery. These Trilands are always underrated. Don't forget these. If you're playing those three colors, they're really powerful. They really help your mana out a lot. This deck's not doing a whole lot on turn one, so it can t handle the ETB tapped land. And I do really like Oath of Chandra, like you said. You can blink it with Guardian, kill an extra creature, or when you're blinking your Planeswalkers, which is what you really want to do, you'll get an extra trigger out of this, deal that chip shot damage, set up that you know lethal turn with Sark and the Masterless. So uh, we'll see a couple more of those. That That's a really good deck, but we're going to move on, get through some of these quickly. Wow, there are a lot of decks. Yeah. <laughs> I would say we may have taken off more than we could chew in getting all of them done in this episode. We may have to make it into two or something, but we'll, we'll see. We'll keep going. Yeah, we'll keep going for now and we'll see how it goes. Uh, next list from JMD037. This is an, uh, sort of a variant on a red aggro deck, but this one is very artifact centric. We've got Karn Scion of Urza, Bomat Courier, Scrap Heap Scrounger, Stone Coil Serpent, Walking Ballista, Two Heart of Kirin, and Four Smuggler's Copter. So a lot of artifacts in this deck. My question is, like, are there enough payoffs? We've got Karn that can make Karn Strucks that gets bigger, and we've got Unlicensed Disintegration. But that's really it. So, like, is it worth it to put all these artifacts in our deck if that's all we're getting out of it? Yeah, I'm not sure, because, like, they're all good on their own still, right? Like, Bomat Courier is a good uh, aggressive creature, a source of card advantage. Uh 
scrap heap scrounger is hard to kill. So we've talked about how good stone cold serpent is. Walking bliss is just great overall because like it's a threat versus all the kind all the kind of decks you wanted against, and then it's good against uh, cat combo and then smuggler and heart of Kieran kill pretty fast. I will say this: I think heart of Kieran might be a little bit harder to crew in this deck than normal because you don't have a ton of planeswalkers, but you do have ferocidon, scrap heap scrounger, and serpent can help out with that. But I mean, you could definitely run in some situations where you might have two one ones and not be able to do it. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I think I think it's fine. You get Dreadbore and Thoughtseize uh, thrown into this. I, it just feels to me like your typical black red deck, right? Like it's some creatures, a little bit of removal, a, a, a little bit of disruption, and we're good to go. Yeah, and, and, it, and there's just nothing super special about it. You can run the Turducken right. with your one one, send it into the Copter. Copter that gets sent into the Heart of Kieran. Everybody's right. having a good Thanksgiving. I, f- I forgot about that one, and when you said Turducken, I was like, "Where the <laughs> hell is he going with this one?" And I was like, "Oh wait, yeah, yeah. This is, that's you never know what you got just be along for the ride." Yeah, but uh, I did forget how good Unlicensed Disintegration can be too. Though that card kills a lot of people. Yeah, no, I remember testing for that Pro Tour in Hawaii, and I, every time I saw that card get cast, it was incredible. And I ended up playing Rakdos Agra as a result, and I did horribly because I'd never do Smuggler's Copter. Oh yeah, you should probably draw that card. Yeah, I, I literally did not draw it until I was eliminated from the tournament. Uh, not- notable thing though, this card is one of the few cards that got a downgrade from the way that Planeswalker rules work now. You can no longer damage Planeswalkers with the unlicensed disintegration. Yeah, that that is an issue, especially with all the Planeswalkers running around. But still a very powerful card in an aggressive deck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Next one, we got an interesting build here. This is Alarmobot. It's a uh, a Bant Reclamation deck. Notably, no Nexus of Fate. We're playing a fair Reclamation game. And our payoff, instead of what we've seen in Standard with Teamer and Expansion Explosion, the payoff is Sphinx's Revelation. You know, seems really good. Like, powerful X-Spell. But I'm a little skeptical here because Sphinx's Revelation doesn't actually end the game. So you look at this deck. How are we ending the game? And all you see are four copies of Lumbering Falls over here there in the land section. You're actually being forced to, you know, control the battlefield so much that your lumbering falls do all the heavy lifting. And you know, there's a lot of ways to control the battlefield. We got two settle the wreckage, four Supreme Verdict, and three Cyclonic Rift, a card I really like with Wilderness Reclamation. But that's a tough ask in two, 2019 to kill someone with four lumbering falls. Yeah, this deck confused me, and I stared at it for like a good five minutes trying to figure it out when I was looking through the thing. And, uh, you know, I saw the four lumbering falls. I'm like, I guess that's how they win. But like... What what stops them from putting just one more way to win in this deck? Like, you know, one Nexus of Fate. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. Like, I, one, I'm i not so sure. Hulk, I don't, like, a, a, one something. One Teferi. Yeah, one Gear Hulk. Yeah, one Gear Hulk works. A, a yeah, one Teferi. Teferi do it, you know? Yeah. So just... Oh, yeah, five minutes of Teferi would be great, actually. Yeah, just, just something, you know? Like, kill it. it, it and then, you... you like, Maybe you can do it, you know, maybe you can, but it's also just going to take you forever. You're going to pick up draws because you just can't close the game. Yeah, I, I do not want to play this deck on Magical Online. I have to go through the clicking. I there. This is a brave soul. Yeah. So I, I'd like to see just one thing. I like a, a lot of what's going on here. I think Growth Spiraler can help out with some of the clunk in the, you know, Azorius shell with Absorb and Supreme Verdict and Revelation. So I like going green for that. I love Cyclonic Rift with Reclamation. I think that's a super powerful combo. Uh, and we're really leaning hard into it with three copies of the Rift. But you, you just got you got to kill people. It's 2019. All right, let's move on to the next one. And this is a deck um, we're getting to see our very first appearance of a card that a lot of people were hyped about coming into this format of Siege Rhino. 
And honestly, this might be the only appearance in the entire list. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember seeing many siege rhinos, but what we're looking at yes. here is an absent deck. While Ross checks, it is on exactly that. the only siege rhino deck in all 137 decks. For all you rhino fans out there, I hate to tell you, but I don't know if rhino's doing that great in this format right now. Yeah, it's just not you know, it's just a little bit dare I say underpowered for the format. You know, I'm sure it's good against the red decks, but is it? It's not that good against the mid range decks. We, we played a Siege Rhino Absent deck on Versus Live, and Corey boarded out his Siege Rhinos because we were playing a grindy matchup, and he just needed threats that generated real card advantage instead of just life advantage. Yeah, like tangible value yeah. on the board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I do like a lot of stuff that's going on in this in this deck, but that's because I do like the black-green aspect of the format. You know, you've got Abrupt Decays, you've got Thought Seizes. I'm uh, not sure if I just like a, a Siege Rhino deck. I mean, you're seeing Warden of the First Tree. In this deck, Scavenging Goose, Kalidas, Grim Flare, Fleece Main Lion, and Athenza. So, like, you're seeing a lot of cards that do a lot of things and do some things well. But, like, <clears throat> like you said, I don't know if this is where the format's going. Yeah, I, I agree. This deck looks to me like somebody really enjoyed playing Abzan Aggro back in that era of standard and just wanted to put the deck back together, get the band together again. And that's what they've done. You know, they've upgraded spots here and there. But this is just sort of an updated old standard deck, and I'm not sure it's going to, you know, cut mustard in Pioneer. I don't think Warden is up to snuff. Siege Rhino hasn't proven to be any, uh, anything. Grimflayer, I think, is kind of weak. You know, if you played early on, it dies to the shocks everyone is playing. It's kind of hard to get Delirium in this deck. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm low on these Abzan Aggro decks. But a, a 5-0 here. I, I'm off it. I'm just completely off it. Okay. Uh, next up, we have an interesting version of Grixis. This is a Grixis midrange deck from Gallagher and a lot of discard spells. We saw the Grixis Arcanist list earlier with four Thoughtseize and three Thought Erasure. Now we got the full four of each, and we've got four Nickel Bolas the Ravager, and we've got four Kite Self Rebooter. We are coming for the cards in your hand, and we want all of them. Yeah, I, I think when you read this list, you, you said, I wanted some of the cards in your hand. But what I really meant was I want all of them. So, I mean, you're looking at all the discard spells and then you're backed up by like some creatures that most of these can end the game by themselves besides like, you know, Freebooter or Merge, right? You're looking at Nickel Bolsa, Ravager, the Scarab God, and Thief of Sanity. If any of these cards go unchecked for a turn, the game is probably over. Yeah, no, the, this deck is not subtle. This is Protect the Queen, but it's proactive Protect the Queen. You know, we're not putting stub, uh, Curious Obsession on a creature and then countering your answers. We are just stripping them from your hand, slamming our threat after that, and, you know, hoping you don't top deck the removal spell before we kill you with it. Uh, so, you know, the, I, I agree. I think these threats are very powerful. I'm a little low on Thief of Sanity because, you know, it dies to Wild Slash, and that card's seeing a lot of play, and that's a really bad exchange. You know, the dice to Dublade thing is not a great argument, but it is it gets bad if the removal spell is both heavily played and costs significantly less than your threat. And that's the case here. Also, Thief of Sanity, really awkward against Delve spells because the cards that you don't take when you look at the top three go into your opponent's graveyard. That's going to fill their graveyard, make it really easy for them to cast Treasure Cruise and dig through time. You know, maybe you'll take them off the top of their deck, but if, you know, they draw them off the top, then yeah, you're in rough shape and you can't thought these at the top of your opponent's deck. No, I, I definitely agree, and I will say this, even though this deck has two cast downs and three fatal pushes and three Kologons commands, like for early disruption, I still see this deck falling behind some of the really aggressive decks early. 
Yeah, you know, discard spells are tempo negative. You're not affecting the battlefield with them. So if your opponent's deck is just redundant and you're not able to break up their curve, you you are going to fall behind. Yeah. So uh, overall, cool deck. I like the removal, I like the dragons and stuff. It this looks super fun. Um, I like Scarab God a lot. I definitely would give this deck a spin. Yeah. Uh, I would too. I think it needs to be a little bit more well-rounded. You know, it's doing its thing and it, it almost looks linear in how much it's doing its thing. Maybe you need to pare that back a little, you know, uh, and smooth out some of the edges. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have another Grixis deck on the docket next, and it's a sweet one. Oh, I, that's the first two words on my notes. This is the third sweet deck, and it's because this one is a Grixis Dragons. Yeah, so the dragons that you're looking at in this deck is we have a Dragonlord Slumgar uh, sighting, uh, huge cube and uh, commander all-star card that honestly I think effects like this are going to be very good in this format because I'll also mention that there's a hostage taker in this deck as well. If you look at the creatures and the artifacts that people are playing and the things that you could steal from them and like the planeswalkers that you could steal from them, all of these are very high value. You're also looking at two glory bringer. Or Nicobolus the Ravager, one Niv Mizzet Panrun. That, that, that card is very good. And a Scarab God, kind of rounding out the creatures along with a couple Jaces. And then from there, you're seeing your typical uh, Grixis spells, Thought Erasures, you know, Thought thought Seizes, some removal spells. But there's also a Crux of Fate in this deck. And then there's like Foul Tongue Invocation, Slumgar Scorn. It's leaning into the, the, the dragon theme pretty heavy. Yeah, and I think Solomgar Skarn is the real coup here. This is a card that's way above curve when you're casting into counter spell. Can definitely give you a leg up. And the card, and the other card I really like is Glorybringer. This is another card that's really good at attacking those three mana planeswalkers. You know, it'll both kill. You know, it's a four power haste creature with flying, but can clear away a blocker while doing so. Really let you get out those planeswalkers. Card I think is underrated in the format right now and helps you get these dragon cards in. Uh, my issue with the deck is the mana base. I don't like the Shadowlands, you know, Choked Estuary, Foreboding Ruins in decks like this. I like those cards when you really want the land to enter untapped for, uh, and you have a lot of, you know, basics of the other kind for the mana you need untapped on turn one, so that sometimes you can get an extra untapped source of, say, black mana with your Choked Estuary, even though you only have an island in your hand. This deck isn't doing a whole lot on turn one. It's really just, you know, three thought seize, two fatal push. I'd rather see more of the traditional shock land, check land mana base, but I like a lot of what's going on here. There's a couple, you know, kind of awkward one ofs. I think they're just trying out a lot of stuff, which is perfectly fine early in the format. You know, you see what sticks and you adjust from there. But the the shell of what's going on here, I think, can be quite powerful, and I'm interested in working on it. Yeah, definitely a really cool deck. Super into it. Next one, we got R7538154 doing a little pandering <laughs> to me, playing some Golgari elves. I'm a fan of the elf tribe. Perhaps you've heard. Yeah. No, you're a fan of the elf tribe. Uh, it's mostly mono green, like you said, a little bit of a Golgari. Really, the only black cards in here besides, I mean, there's a Nullroot Trapper. The real. The real reason to be splashing into black here is Shaman of the Pack. Yeah, no, this is definitely the reason. Very powerful card, especially with Collected Company. Uh, a card I don't like a lot in this list is Court of Calling. I've never really liked it much in Elves outside of the Selesnia lists in Modern that played Devoted Druid and Vizier of Remedies. If you're just playing the normal Golgari list, this is more of an aggro deck than it is like an Elf combo deck. You know, Shaman of the Pack just gives you a lot of reach. You know, we're playing Steel Leaf Champion. We got some efficient creatures. We're playing a lot of mana. We got some sinks in Elvish Clan Caller. But Quarter Calling isn't really a mana sink. Like, you have a bunch of mana creatures. They can already just tap to cast your spells. You know, it's nice with Dwinin's Elite. 
it's okay with Narwhal Trapper, you know, it can let it tap for mana for a spell when you convoke, but it's just kind of, you know, really awkwardly too expensive for this deck in my um, experience. I'd rather see something like uh, Sylvan Messenger, you know, that to generate some extra card advantage, be another creature. Uh, you know, it's not hit off Collected Company, but neither is Cord. Uh, so that, that's my one qualm with the deck. But overall, I think there's enough elves to make a deck. I'm not sure how powerful it is, but you know, it's definitely something to try out. Yeah, I was going to let you kind of do your thing. The elves, is, uh, that's, that's, that's your stuff. That's yes. your tribe. Next up, we have uh, you know, a very cryptic username in Watsy underscore Andrew B. Who do you think this one is, Tannen? Uh, no idea. No clue? Wait. Not a, not a, we, not we a don't clue. know anybody that works uh, at Wizards of the Coast whose name is Andrew B. That really, then they really like blue-black control decks with really bad finishes. Yeah, uh, and I'm pretty sure I defeated him at Pro Tour Magic Origins, despite the fact that I mulliganed five with my green devotion deck against his blue-black control deck. Really? Yeah. Our sideboard plan for the matchup was unbeatable. It is literally the most impressive thing I've ever seen anybody devise. Uh, it was from Brad Nelson. We like sideboarded into this weird Megamorph deck with Trail of Mystery. Uh, I I can't explain it, but it was literal genius, and it turned the matchup around completely. And I played turn two Trail of Mystery on my Mulda 5, and if you came over seven turns later, you would have thought Andrew Mulda 5. I was comically far ahead. Yeah. I've heard the story, like the long version of it. I'm going to tell everybody at home, never ask Ross this story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? This is a another collected company deck. It is a Bant collected company deck with a lot of the hits that you'd expect. And the only non-creature spells in the main are the collected companies, two Dramokas commands, and three Okos. But you're looking at like pretty much the stuff that you expect. You know, you still get the Jace Friends products in here. Uh, good hit off collected company, can flash it back later in the game. Looking at Reflector Mages, Selfless Spirits, Spell Quellers, Voice of Resurgence, Tireless Trackers, Deputy Detentions. Uh, this deck's pretty great, honestly. Uh, if you're a fan of like the humans-esque deck from modern, this is a deck for you. Yeah, I agree. My notes are well-built. Surprise, surprise. Andrew Brown, heck of a player, went over to Watsi, wa gave up platinum status, I believe, to do so. So no surprise that he's building some good ones. And my one question is, are we overlooking Voice of Resurgence? There's like six or seven decks in this dump that are playing that card. You know, it's very powerful and standard, has really fallen out of favor in modern, but could be a player in this format. You know, I, I, I like all of its abilities. No, I, I definitely think it can, that we are looking it over, and it can be a big-time player. Um, all the abilities are relevant, and a lot of the times that people make fun of this card is, like, in any kind of matchup, it can be anemic. It's just a 2-2 two, two for two. But the fact that you're playing so many creatures that it's going to leave behind, like, a 4-4 four, four half the time, or a 5-5, five, five, and that could be really big in a lot of the matchups, especially against the red decks where you actually just want to give yourself time to get to your four-mana spell and collect a company and not be dead when you're casting it, and Voice of Resurgence goes a long way in making that happen. Yeah, definitely, and a, a card to a card to watch out for, for sure. Moving on, we've got an interesting deck from Termidor. This is a Demir Delve deck, is what I'm calling it. Got a lot of cheap spells to enable Delve, you know, four Thoughtseize and two Duress in the main, uh, four Opt, four Fatal Push, two Stubborn Denials, so a lot of one-mana spells, make sure we fill our graveyard. Two copies of Curator of Mysteries to cycle to fill the graveyard. Jace Friends Prodigy helps do it. Four copies of Merfolk Secret Keeper. You know, th this person means business, milling themselves, but they're not milling themselves to hit Narcomibas and Priced Amalgams. They're just milling themselves to enable Delve. We got two copies of Treasure Cruise, two of Tasker the Golden Fang, and four copies of Gurmag Angler. So eight Delve cards, you know, uh, what do you make of this deck, Dannon? Because this is a weird... You know, I, 
I actually kind of like it. And I think Merfolk Seeker Keeper is like the glue that holds all of it together. Because like you said, you definitely want to hit yourself a lot because you have Gurmag Angler, you have Tassiger, you have Treasure Cruise, right? The fact that this can also go to your opponent to turn on your Drown of the Locks into matchup might be important at a time because like you may need to be able to do this after they've delved away their graveyard. Because that's the, the one thing that keeps Drown of the Lock from being absurd in this format, right? Is that a lot of people are playing cards like Treasure Cruise and dig through time and they can make it bad. But also the fact that it's a card that it's very anemic in some matchups when you want to be doing that effect, but the zero four that it leaves behind can be very good against like mono red and like, you know, some of these decks where you actually want to block. So I'm a big fan of any deck that's turboing Gurmag Angler out. As you know, uh, you've directly uh, made some money off that in your career. I'm a, I'm a big fan of thing in the ice. Um, thing in the ice works super well with Merfolk Seeker Keeper. If you haven't seen that kind of thing yet, uh, you can trigger Thing in the Ice of Mer- Merfolk Seeker Keeper, get it into play, return it to your hand, do it again, and profit. So you're looking at a deck that is going to be delving Treasure Cruises, these Gurmags, these Tassigers, really fast and really often. And this this one does lean into Stubborn Denial, kind of like you mentioned earlier as well. This is the kind of deck that like really gets my juices flowing. I like it because you know me. I like the the tempo disruption decks with like really good threats that are super cheap. Yeah, and that's what this deck is doing. I'm a little weirded out by the four copies of Thing in the Ice because I don't want to be bouncing my Delve creatures back to my hand. Uh, so maybe we can upgrade that slot and really lean into these Delve cards. Uh, but you know, the, this uh, you know, casting Gurmag Angler on turn two is good enough in for like Modern and Legacy, so uh, it should be good enough in this format as well. Uh, not a lot of great removal for Kermag Angler. Survives Fatal Push, Survives Wild Slash, Survives Abrupt Decay. There's no Path to Exile. So Kermag Angler might be an underrated threat while everybody is putzing around with Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. You know, you, you can be playing the real all-star. Yeah, not to mention that you can just like Merfolk Seeker Keeper yourself on turn one or turn two, followed it up with like a Thought Seizer Duress, and you can Tassiger on turn two with that draw. No fetch land. Yeah, that is like that's that's five cards in your yard into a tester. That's really impressive in this format and very hard to yeah, beat. Four or five on turn two and a piece of disruption, and you know you're set up to you know sort of with your with your removal and with your counter spells, you're set up to ride that card to uh, to do some damage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big fan. Uh, I like I like the look of this deck a lot. I think I would need to play with it for like ten or fifteen matches before I. I definitely would if I played it through through a league. If I if I play this deck and like I rented it tomorrow, I definitely think you should try with the four thing in the ice and then figure it out from there. Like, you know, really pay attention to how thing in the ice plays out with the deck because maybe the person's onto something, maybe they're not. But you definitely want to like figure that out. For sure. I think that's the, the, the point of this deck that needs to be looked at. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Susurus MTG. This is a known person, right? I'm not great. Yeah, I think this is um the guy who won the Atlanta Grand Prix just now with uh, Storm, uh, Cyrus. I think it's him. I'm not 100% on that. Oh, maybe. Uh, for, some reason, for some reason, that's the name that's clicking in my head. I could be way Yeah, off. I'm sure somebody will correct us on Twitter if we're wrong. So. Yeah, this is a notable MTG yeah, right no, here. Though. No, the, and this is an interesting deck that they've built. We see the shell from sort of the mono green Stompy deck that we saw earlier for Once Upon a Time, eight mana creatures. Got our Steel Leaf Champions, our Love Strike Beasts. Not the full four Yorvo, just one, but we also have Questing Beasts and Surox. So a lot of big biggins. We're, we're curving all the way up to Galta too. So Galta's sort of the third biggin. You play the first one, you play the second one. Now Galta's cheap enough to cast. We also have four Oko, a great card to cast on turn two. We're splashing blue in this list. And the really big gain beyond Oko is four copies of Stubborn Denial in the main deck. 
Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the balloon collusion in this deck. Oko fixes a lot of the holes in this deck, and then Subbernile fixes all the Yeah, if your ones. opponent plays a big uh, Death Toucher or some other creature that's annoying for your big big things, you turn it into a 3-3 Elk. You know, Lovestruck Beast and Steel of the Champion, they're bigger than that. Smugglers, We got Smuggler's Copter 2 to fly over. I like Copter a lot in this deck because those eight mana creatures and that 1-1 one, one off a of Lovestruck Beast, you want them sitting around because you want Lovestruck Beast to attack, but you don't want to send them into combat. They're going to die. So you put them, in the, put them in a helicopter, fly them over, get your loot, <laughs> get your three damage in, Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like this deck a lot. This is a deck that looks very unassuming on paper, and I think it's just very, very good when you play it out. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and this this is a deck that I am 100% interested in trying. You know, it's at the top of my list. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cesarius MTG for everybody. If you're following along at home or you want to look this deck up, definitely a big fan. Okay. Uh, next, we have Nietzsche playing a Simic Nexus deck. This is pretty typical standard Simic Nexus, but with some really nice upgrades. Dig Through Time, great in this deck. Cyclonic Rift, I mentioned earlier, I love with Wilderness Reclamation. You know, you always want a couple pieces of interaction in your Simic deck. Cyclonic Rift is a really good one to have, and there's two copies here. And then two really good win conditions. we got a Singleton Thing in the Ice, nice little cheap one you can get down early, and then a Singleton Torrential Gear Hulk, so we can, you know copy our growth spirals and dig through times later in the game uh, and then turn the corner quickly and really end the game. We saw that Bant reclamation deck not really have ways to end the game. You know, Torrential Gear Hulk, Thing in the Ice, they will end the game and they will do it quickly. Yeah, I got nothing else to add. Seems like a well-built deck. I like this one better than the, the one that we looked at earlier, yeah, for sure. This just looks like a solid it, Simic Nexus shell. If that's the kind of deck that you want to be playing in Pioneer, I would definitely give uh, Nietzsche's deck a look and give it a try. Okay. We are up to Salmonator 777 playing a Selesnia aggro deck. This sort of looks like the skeleton of the old Selesnia tokens deck that played, you know, uh, Hangerback Walker and Nissa Voices Endicar. We're sort of in that shell. We got History of Benalia instead of Nissa. We got Fleece Main Lion and Voice of Resurgence in the two drop slot instead of Sylvan Advocate. Uh, you know, we're still playing our four once upon a time in our forest creature deck, so I'm sure you're happy about that. This is just a deck. There's not a lot of synergies here. We just have solid threats all the way up the curve. We're starting an experiment one. Fleece Main Line, Voice of Resurgence, History of Benalia, Loxodon Smiter, Tireless Tracker, Gideon Ally of Zendikar, Archangel Avson. All really good rate. Just get the job done. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the decks like this, but they do get the job done, like you said. I feel like this deck's going to be lacking and you know leaving something to be desired in the games where you don't draw experiment one of the matchups where it's super important and the history of Benalia feels a tiny bit out of place to me in this deck like i understand why it's there but like still feels a little out of place it also sort of stretches the mana you know there's only nine right, right. untapped sources of green for that experiment one and it's because they need a lot of white sources to cast history so i agree i think history is the odd man out here and could you know that that's a place where you could upgrade the deck there's already plenty of threes and Tireless Tracker, and Loxodon Smiter. Maybe you want another three still. Not sure what it could be, but, uh, you know, picking your spells in order to make your mana base better is an underrated skill in deck building, as opposed to just playing all the spells you want and saying, oh, I'll figure out the mana later. You know, Once Upon a Time can only do so much to help your mana base out. Yep. All right, moving on to the next one, we have Toast Machines. Uh, take Great on, game. Yeah, yeah t- Take on Devotion. This is pretty much the Devotion decks we've been looking at earlier. Just this one is splashing red. You have a, a Domri Raid, a Domri on Archibolus, and I will say, what else we got? Fred, you're seeing the Burning Tree Emissary build, which is nice, you know, a lot of devotion there. But as for, for more red, we don't even see an Atarka in the deck. You see all the, the typical hits and stuff. So 
I'll say not too much craziness going on here. Not a big fan of the red cards that are here. Not really sure why you're going to such great lengths to splash an extra color if that's all you're doing with them. And if you're going to splash red, I, I do think you just want Dragon Lord Target. Yeah, I, the cards. I was going to say there's 10 red producing lands in the deck and we have, what, two cards that actually cost red in the deck. So, yeah, definitely a weird one here. Only once upon a, one once upon a time. Not sure that is the correct number. We do have a lot of Planeswalkers and Enchantments in the deck, so maybe. But, yeah, I mean... Nykthos is so powerful, you want to find that as quickly as possible. Um, definitely think this deck could probably use a little bit of work. Yeah, uh, but still a very powerful shell. You know, it just goes to show you how powerful the shell is, that right. even with like kind of a meh, uh, you know, supporting cast, only one once upon a time, so you're breaking Tannin's rule, uh, it, it can still succeed. But that start of, you know, Nissa, we still see four Nissa, four Elvish Mystic, four Lanorels, four Leyline of Abundance. That core is really good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this next deck, by the way. Yeah, I know. You were telling me about it before the show, and I agree. I think the card that you're gonna about to talk about is really important and a really heady addition to this deck. Yeah, so this is your typical Sahili Rai deck that we're seeing in the format, where it's... Uh, but this is a four-color version. You're seeing Sahili Rai, Teferi Tom Raveler, and Oko all in the same deck. So you're looking at Feldar Guardian, Gilded Goose, Spell Quellers. Uh, a Tomb of Aether is kind of holding it all together. You've got a Tomb of Aether to fix the mana, plus you know four Aether Hub really goes a long way. But the, the addition of the deck that I'm really liking is it's got four Prophetic Prism. Not only does this help fix that mana that we were talking about, but this gives you a nice permanent to go along with all of your Planeswalkers. Like Oko can turn it into a 3-3. Sahili can copy it to draw an extra card. And Teferi can bounce it, allowing you to re recast it and draw a card. So uh, there's been a lot of games where I've played stuff like Sahili or Teferi. And if you don't have good targets for their abilities, they're a little underwhelming at times, right? And so this goes a long way at making sure that you have good stuff to target along with four Oath Vanessa and four, uh, two Oath of Chandra. I feel like this deck is definitely using all of its mana in the first couple turns of the games. And then that it's three mana Planeswalker is doing as much as it possibly can without any cooperation from the opponent. Yeah, we call that using every part of the Buffalo. Every part of the Buffalo, exactly. Uh, other than that, I mean, the deck looks pretty sweet, pretty straightforward. I like decks like this a lot, especially early in formats where th this thing, it's just a bunch of four ofs. Like uh, there's a couple three ofs, but just a bunch of four ofs. Got four Harness Lightning in it too as Terminate, you know, to go along in the deck. I really like this deck. I think it's very streamlined and just looks really good. Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that Prophetic Prism Tech is the, the kind of card that can elevate the you know a specific list we've seen there's a lot of cat decks around uh but maybe that one ends up being the best one because of the that tech uh moving on we have a dirk 714 another copycat deck this one uh more planeswalker focused we still see the uh only only one copy of oka really wow uh but two copies of tommy o collector of tales can really dig hey, for the combo. Hey, ross, ross oka is an expensive card man yeah, uh, you know, definitely got to keep that in mind. We do have four copies of one of my favorite cards of all time in Elvish Visionary. Nice one to play oh, yeah. Guardian to set up your draws. Kind of uh, another, sort of another version of Prophetic Prism. It doesn't fix your mana, but it can attack and block. Uh, it can block, yeah. Walkers. Yeah, block is the more important half of that. So, um, you know, it's similar role here, but uh, as opposed to fixing your mana, this deck's a little bit better at that with Sylvan Carry added uh, along for the ride. But you need blockers to defend these planeswalkers, and carry added and visionary certainly help do that. I think Felder Guardian with a bunch of planeswalkers makes a lot of sense. So uh, another shell I like. These wild slashes are a little weird, though. 
kind of hard to yeah i mean they just kind of want to like inter- interact early but they do kind of feel a little tiny bit of place but yeah yeah because like the thing is, I think it's, it's helping stretch the mana a little bit too much. I mean, you're looking at one Chandra and the two, the Force of Healy Rise, but you have like four Oath of Nyssa and, and uh, Gilded Goose. But like, you don't want to be using Gilded Goose to cast Wild Slash when you have like cards that can just kill your opponent when you cast them, like Sahili Rise. Yeah, and this deck's not creating a lot of extra food for that Goose with only one copy of Oko. So that food, right, food right. is pretty valuable. Agreed. Next, we have Neriki P playing another and soul artifact deck. This is an, an another is it list, though, you know, playing four copies of Spire of Industry that can make black for uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger, which is another nice little artifact, a great one to put Ghost Fireblade on. Uh, this one, we do see three copies of Stubborn Denial. The previous list did not have that. We also have two copies of Teamer Battle Rage. So this deck definitely means business a little bit more combo oriented. So the Stubborn Denials can help you know, protect that Battle Rage on that turn when you're going for the full 10 on your Insole Artifact uh, creature. Uh, we do see no copies of the Snake that you like. We Instead, there's Hope of Girapur. Yeah, I will say Hope of Girapur is it's an interesting one, right? It is just a 1-1 flyer that allows you to kind of get in, like, unblocked a little bit more, helps you attack some Planeswalkers a little bit more, and I guess the ability could come up in some matchups as well. Yeah, you know, against, like, Supreme Verdict in particular. Hope of Gearport can drop that for one key turn while you end the game. We also see four copies of Ornithopter. The previous list had zero. This deck is definitely looking for speed. You know, we're trying to end the game quickly, so that turn two and soul my Ornithopter, get in for five on turn two. Maybe you Battle Rage it on turn four and get that turn four kill uh, is something that you want. Uh, yeah, so if you like this, yeah, if you like the scissor decks, the insole artifact deck that we talked about earlier, this is, and you wanted to be even more aggressive, move a little more all in. This is the version you want to look at. Yeah, and so we're seeing, you know, different versions of this shell do well. Uh, like I said, this could be an underrated shell. Yeah, uh, definitely something there for sure. Next one, we have one two two Pablo playing their version of Jeskai Ascendancy. We do not see any copies of Sylvan Awakening here. The deck is relying on its mana creatures, and so importantly, is playing four copies of Sylvan Carry Added, four copies of Paradise Druid that will you know have hexproof so that your mana creatures survive. We also see four copies of Rose Thorn Acolyte. This is sort of a nice little, you know, half and half. It's one half mana creature, one half spell for ascendancy when you already have some mana creatures going. Uh, so not a super powerful card, but playing multiple roles can sometimes help with consistency. And with the way this deck is built, which is very different than other Ascendancy decks, consistency seems to be what was on their mind. Because one of the big additions, is, and one I like, is Commune with the Gods. This is one in a green sorcery. Reveal the top five cards of your library. You may put a creature or enchantment card from among them into your hand. Put the rest in your graveyard. So this can find your mana creature that you need to set up. It can find a spell if you're you know, mid-combo in Rosethorn Acolyte. Or unbridled growth, so two different things to to canter, continue cantering, or it can find your Jeskai ascendancy, and that's the big one. The other thing is it also enables Dell for your treasure cruise. You know, we have four copies of Radical Idea, a card you can put into the graveyard with Commune of the Gods and generate a little bit of value. Uh, so Commune is sort of the glue here, and it, it's very obvious from the way this deck is built that this person went about you know looking through the cards available in Pioneer. It's like, what can I put in my deck that can help me find Jeskai Ascendancy? Because that's what I'm having trouble with. They found Commune with the Gods, and they just ran with it. And this deck looks really cohesive. I like the way it looks. Yeah, I like this deck a lot, actually, because like every time I've ever seen you play or talk or heard you talk about the Jeskai Ascendancy decks, the biggest problem you always had was finding Ascendancy in a lot of the matches. It's either hard or paramount early. And this person has found a very good way at doing that with Community of the Gods while also helping out another game plan of like helping dig through time. 
helping uh, treasure crews. And I like this a lot. And then one small little addition, you know, with Sylvan carry added being pumped by Ascendancy, you can't attack them to death because it has Defender. And, you know, Paradise Druid doesn't really have any evasion, but we have one copy of a card I honestly forgot existed. This is Gravitic Punch. Three and a red sorcery. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target player. And it has Jumpstart which means you can let that thing go into your graveyard and you know, discard it early in your ascendancy chain or you know pass it by with commune with the gods and it'll still be there for when your mana creature gets big enough. You can just cast it from the graveyard, uh, pitch an extra lane you don't need and just deal the 20 outside of combat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next uh, deck we got on the docket is uh, Base Lock 2010. Uh, this looks like another one of the kind of prowess decks but you're seeing goblin rabble master in the main bowmat courier in the main you've got a little bit of a um a token generation of dragon fodder and just a targus command of the deck so uh it's like semi prowess semi token just like attack you with team or battle rage stoke the flames become a mint kind of t- type deck so this one's um maybe a little less cohesive than we've seen in some of the other ones, but still with a very proactive plan of just getting you dead as quickly as possible yeah no uh, i would like to see the four excuse me, the fourth Rabble Master. But other than that, I think this deck looks fine. I like Stoke the Flames a lot. So I'm, I'm in for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on, we have Masta underscore Shonen playing a Boros Knights deck. And, you know, I look at this deck and I think it is not appreciably more powerful than a white, you know, like just regular white weenie aggressive deck. So like our only real tribal payoff is like inspiring veteran and fervent champion, which like aren't super powerful. So why are we making our mana so much worse? Yeah, you have history of Benalia too. But we can just be mono white. Like, why are we playing a second color? I'm sure there are enough knights. Yeah. You know, Worthy Knight is a nice tribal payoff too, but I'm I'm sure there are enough knights in white. Why are we playing a second color? Yeah, you might be right. It does get you uh access to a few other cards and like the sideboard and stuff that they're using. Like they have some fries and you know, some other things, but I, I gotta agree with you. This this you might want to try this deck out as, as mono at some point and not stretch the mana base and stuff. Yeah. Your aggro decks need to be super consistent. And, right. and when I, I'm just afraid of stumbling. You know, the night decks have problems in standard. They're going to have problems here. Do we see... Uh, we don't even see four tournament grounds? Come on. I guess you have history banalia, so it's even hard to play tournament grounds. And Gideon? What, what is going on at ESPN? Yeah. I wasn't even on the page. <laughs> By the way, Jazz uh, on my two. Boy, I'm oh, okay. with 29 points, five rebounds on eight for 13 shooting. The man is a beast. Rudy Gobert, 18 rebounds. Donna Mitchell, 26 points. I love this team. This, this, man, loves, this man loves his Utah Jazz. Anyway, yeah. back to uh, Pioneer. <laughs> uh, you know, you, the first Pioneer is to settle Utah. <laughs> oh, God. And the, next, the next deck on the list is JIS Orange. Uh, their 5-0 list involves the Sahili Rai combo, but... They've actually got some cool stuff going on around it. This is a Sahili Rai Prime Speaker Vanifar deck. Yeah. And I remember when you saw this list, we saw this earlier in the week. You said that this was one of the first lists that really excited you that you saw coming out of Pioneer. This one reminds me a lot of like uh, Pod. Yeah, Ryan seems specifically of, of Kiki Pod with Restoration right. Angel and things like that. Uh, because there are some cool chains in this deck that end up you know winning you the game. This is a, a list I first saw from Yeoman 5. I believe he was the progenitor. I uh, was touting it on social media, and it looks great to me. I think this deck, uh, you know, people are going to be prepared for the combo, and so it might get worse. But if they are not, this deck is going to eat them alive. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And looking at it, it's hard to see what the chain is because it's so complicated. But you win the game if you untap with 
an Elvish Mystic and a Prime Speaker Vanifar if you have access to Colorless Blue Red and mana to cast Sahili Rai. You, you start by sacking the mana creature, you get Corridor Monitor, untap Prime Speaker Vanifar. Sack Corridor Monitor, find, uh, what is it, the uh, Renegade Rallier. You know, you have Revolts, so you bring back Corridor Monitor, untap Prime Speaker Vanifar. Sack Corridor Monitor again. Now you find your one of Bounding Crisis, untap Vanifar. Then you sack your Renegade Rallier, you get a copy of Felidar Guardian, Blink Bounding Crisis, untap Vanifar. Then the real key thing, and the, I think the stroke of genius, you sack your Felidar Guardian and you find your Singleton Thalia's Lancers. This is the card that connects everything and lets your tutor chain of creatures find your other combo piece. Lancers can you know find any legendary card when it enters a battlefield. Is it legendary creature or planeswalker? Um, it's just a legendary card. card. Yeah, and you find your Sahili Rai, you cast it. Now... You minus two your Sahili Rai on your Vanifar. The token enters. You keep that one from Legend Rule. Let the original go away. And then you finally activate it, sacrificing the Bounding Crisis that's still on the battlefield. Find a second Felidar Guardian and blink your Sahili Rai, and you've got your combo rolled up. And Super simple, Ross. Yeah, just very simple. Yeah, it's going to be a test on this later. Everybody <laughs> make sure that you get it right and that you have you took your notes and kept up with it, because I know that... I kind of blanked out somewhere halfway yeah. through there. You know, this deck is, is also, like, I think just really well built. The numbers all make sense. We've got four Oath of Nyssa, four Once Upon a Time to make sure we find our stuff. Teferi, you know, prevents a lot of interaction. We've got one copy of Reflector Mage, one of Deputy of Detention that Vanifar can tutor up if we need to deal with problematic permanents that are stopping us from, from comboing. This list has an Elvish Visionary. I know an earlier list from Yeoman had a, a Voice of Resurgence. We see that in the sideboard here. That's a nice little just value card when you're Vanifaring. This deck can you know can play Oko somewhere if you want it. Can play other value creatures. This list we see a Tyler's Tracker. So there's a lot of flexibility even to you know dance around the combo and use Vanifar for value, just like Birthing Pod, and then become that sort of half combo deck, half mid range deck that was so tough to stop. Uh, you know this deck I think is really good, and it will have some legs in the format. Yeah, absolutely. I have, um, next, go ahead. My notes on this deck are sweet deck, but sweet is in all caps. Okay, so okay, they get the sweet deck. All right, so uh, next we have Silence nine four two eight, and we have another um, Soul Flayer deck here. This one with Kramanticore, uh, big additions on this one versus the last one was Night Vale Predator and Samut uh, were added into this one. Other than that, you're still looking at Zapalta. You know, you're still looking at some of the same stuff. You're looking at a Hazaret getting added into the into the mix here. Uh, Beaumont Courier helping kind of fuel the, the the graveyard here. Same with Gather the Pack, but it's using Traverse the Uvenwald as well to make sure that you get those creatures into the graveyard that you need. This one also involves Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, I think that's the key card here. Th this deck is a little bit more all-in than the other uh, Soul Flayer deck, but it's also faster because it's using Deathrite Shaman to accelerate. Uh, you know, you're enabling Deathrite uh, with Gather the Pack and Grizzly Salvage. We haven't really seen a lot of Deathrite Shamans around. It's a hard card to enable when you don't have fetch lands. Uh, but this deck is certainly trying, and, and hopefully it's able to do that. But that extra speed is really helpful when you're when you're trying to set up Soul Flare quickly and end the game. You know, eventually they'll find their answer to it. You know, uh, and you know your recovery with this deck is not going to be great. Deathrite Shaman also nice in that it's a creature that sits on the battlefield early, and it'll protect your Soul Flare from edict effects, which is one of the easy ways to deal with it. So I like having some cheap creatures in the deck for that. Uh, you know, uh, that insulation. All right, so now we're getting to the point in the list where I think we can start like doing some skipping. You know, next we have uh, Be Real Two. Um, this is your another deck that we've pretty much covered already. I mean, like all the cards in here look about 
pretty much the same. It's just a green, red, aggressive deck of Smuggler's Copter, like Soulscar Mage, that kind of build. Uh, this one, though, has Reckless Bushwhacker, in which we didn't see in a lot of the other builds. And I've seen some stuff with this with Burning Tree Emissary and uh, Reckless Bushwhacker. You can get some really, really big turns, uh, especially combined with a Tarkus Command, and kill people out of like seemingly nowhere. Yeah, I think that combo is going to be really critical to red decks in this format. I love the way this deck is built. I built a version of this deck that just had too many creatures and not enough removal. We see lightning strikes and wild slashes. Those are perfect. They can go upstairs. I love all the numbers here. The only thing I don't like about this deck is the four game trail, one rootbound crag split. How is game trail better than rootbound crag? Like all your other lands are mountains. So if you have one, you can have one on the battlefield and rootbound crag will enter on tap just like game trail. But if you draw the land off the top and you need it to enter untapped, Game Trail doesn't. Rupan Crag often does. So yeah, let's just swap that. Let's just swap that one, and then we're good. I, I think this is the best red list I've seen. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree. I, th- I think this is really good. Um, in the the bit of testing that I've done in this format, Burning Tree Emissary into uh, Reckless Bushwhackers ended almost every game that I've been involved in with it. Like if that happens, I just I, I wasn't able to recover or keep up. Next list, uh, you know, I'm ready to move on from that one. This is Bant Spirits. Uh, you know, basically we got Llanowar Elves instead of Noble Hierarch, all the spirits you've come to expect. And then Empyrean Eagle is replacing uh, Drogskull Captain, which is not in the format. Empyrean Eagle, somehow a spirit. Didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, the old bird spirit. Uh, I mean, there. yeah. But I think that's a, this is a really important addition. I saw some lists, you know, really early on when people were brewing uh, that didn't include this card. And I looked at those lists and they seemed kind of mopey. Having, you know, those eight lords you know, along with Supreme Phantom has real, always been really important for this deck because your creatures are generally pretty small otherwise. And Empyrean Eagle is a nice one. You know, all your creatures fly anyway, so you might as well uh, just play this one. You know, it's good, si- good size at a 2-3. There's a few different spirit decks in this deck dump and almost all of them contain Empyrean Eagle. And I think that is a staple of the archetype moving forward. Yeah. I agree with everything you say. Nothing really different jumps out at me. I do like the inclusion of Fiend Slayer Paladin in the sideboard. Uh, you know, because this deck can definitely sub- come to the uh, the red aggro decks on the draw, especially the ones using like Chain Whirler and stuff. If you don't find a, a Lord soon, your creatures are just very bad. And Fiend Slayer Paladin can definitely help uh, clean up that matchup. Yeah, stabilize the ground and gain some life. Good call there. Uh, next up, we got BNJY99. This is another uh, Gruul Devotion deck, so the Red Splash. This time playing Xenagos the Reveler. Still no copies of Dragonlord of Tarka. Why don't people like Dragonlord of Tarka? I'm not sure. Uh, definitely definitely questions a lot of things for me. Again, another one that uses the Burning Tree Emissary, Nykthos Plan. Uh, big fan of that. Um, you're seeing Vicarious Hydra. Uh, I'm sorry, Voracious Hydra. <laughs> Bleh, uh, added in the main deck here, and I actually do like this card a lot because it's pretty flexible in a lot of your matchups. Um, being able to fight a creature in like the mirrorish matchups is pretty big. Like just being able to kill uh, a mana creature early. Also just being a gigantic threat is a big deal. If you're on the play in a devotion mirror and you go elf, they go elf and you play voracious hydra just for one kill their elf. You are super far ahead. You have three devotion and an extra mana and you are already on the play. So, uh, and that's a card that can also sometimes catch you up from behind. Good against aggressive decks, uh, you know, can still be a big threat against control decks. So I'm a fan of the Voracious Hydra. Yeah, absolutely. I think this deck is a very good, like, level one deck for the format. All of the the Devotion decks are going to look pretty similar. It's going to be just till we figure out which one's right. You know, like, which one's, like, the one to beat out of this. Uh, the next deck on the, on, the li- on the list is uh, something BBD would be very happy to play and, <laughs> yes. and love. And that doesn't mean there's Obsidat. <laughs> this is 
Hero of Precinct 1, Esper Hero from McWinsauce. Uh, I believe, I don't know if it was McWinsauce, but I was told that the very first Pioneer trophy was won by Esper Hero. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was them or not. I, I have a photo somewhere on my phone where someone was talking about it because they, they finished like three minutes after they, uh, the other person got the trophy and they were like, damn, I wanted the first one ever. But uh, yeah, this looks pretty sweet, honestly. It's a lot of the cards you think you'd see. Um, you're seeing Gideon Allah Zendikar to kind of like help push the uh, the envelope on how good your your tokens can be off hero. But you're looking at Soren, Teferi, the other Teferi, Jace's Varen's Prodigy, Reflector Mage, Spell Queller, Thought Erasure, and Thoughtseize is still going to find its way in, but you're looking at three Thought Erasure and two Thoughtseize here. But what you're really, the really cool stuff on the side is like you're seeing Ojitai's Command. This is a, a gold spell that can also put a lot of the uh, Jason Vern's Prodigy or Hero back into play because Ochidai's Command is a two white blue instant. It's another four mode card where you get to choose two and you get to return target creature card of converting make house two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, meaning Hero or Jace. You can gain four life, counter target creature spell or draw card. Just a lot of value there. Yeah, and uh, all four mode relevant there. Yeah, all four modes super relevant. You do get Shambling Vent out of the deck, which is a pretty big upgrade. The mana base otherwise looks like practically exactly the same from the standard deck. Concealed Courtyard and Shambling Vent just added in. And uh, yeah, and some dig through times. Call it a day. Yeah, no, the cards in this deck look good. But if you look closer, count how many multicolor cards you see, Tannen. There's not as many. It's 20. That is a low number for Hero of Precinct 1. So I'm a little concerned there, but the cards that you do have are good. And if Hero is still effective at that low number, which it typically wasn't in standard, this deck could be a nice one. But I, I think you're going to need to squeeze some extra multicolor cards in your deck. So maybe some of these Gideons or, uh, you know, Jace. Oh, Jace is a hard one to cut. It, it, it's tough. But I, I'm a little concerned there. But I like what the deck is doing otherwise. And I definitely think that the cards it's playing are good. I definitely agree. Um, so the next deck that we're going to look at, the most aptly named uh, player with their deck ever uh, lucky dragon playing a jeskai dragons build yes and this is a, a deck that is very clearly designed to beat up on creature decks you know a you know classic strategy on week one everybody's playing creature decks i'm gonna play an anti-creature deck we got three deafening clarion and three supreme verdict all in the main deck along with four copies of fiery impulse so a lot of cheap removal you know our dragon package is nice i mentioned glory bringer earlier we supplement that with dragon lord ojitai and niv miss it We've got our four copies of Salumgar Scorn. Uh, you know, that deck seems solid, but it's, you know, it's beating up on aggressive decks. It knows what it's doing. Yeah, this deck is a, is a metagame call. Um, you're definitely going to have a huge advantage against, like, any deck that has, you know, upwards of, like, 12 to 20 creatures in its main. You're going to have a big, big advantage there. You're even looking at two Sphinx Revelation in this deck. So any deck with Sphinx Revelation usually makes me perk up a little bit and take a look. Um, I do like this deck a lot. And I do think Glorybringer might be underrated in this format, too, like you were saying yeah. earlier. Okay, moving on, we have Termidor. This is their second appearance on the list, I believe. So they've been putting in some work, getting trophies with multiple different decks in this format. And this is our first, and it's going to be our only appearance of Aetherworks Marvel, a very highly touted card. Jerry Thompson wrote an article saying that it's you know his pick for what's going to be the best card in Pioneer, or the best deck in Pioneer. Um, and I'm not so sure, by oh, the way. Neither I, I'm not so sure I buy I'm the, very surprised to see such a, a bold claim. Uh, because I think Aetherworks Marvel is actually pretty bad. One, because you have to play all the same energy cards you played, so it's sort of a standard deck plus, and I kind of think we can do better. Two, I think Oko does a number on it. Like, you know, Aetherworks Marvel was good because people weren't killing it that often in its format, 
and you were getting you were sort of reloading every turn you were almost always getting a shot at marvel sometimes it took you two but almost always is getting a shot at marvel every turn so if you miss the first miss the second the third could often catch you up because you were hitting something really powerful like ulamog or emerald the promised end uh here like if you miss the first time you've got an elk and you spent your entire you know game plan setting this up that's not great but you know you're still doing powerful stuff yeah and i do feel that like Every deck in this format has some inherent card in its main deck that matches up well against it. So if you're looking at like decks with Thought Seize or Teferi Time Raveler just shutting it down completely or Spell Queller out of the creature, you know, uh, combo decks and stuff like that. So and I do think that the Feldor Guardian decks are just faster than than these decks on average. Yeah. So not sure this is exactly where I want to be, but this is pretty cool. Um, I do like the... Uh, talking about the way they're winning the game uh there's no ulamog in this deck but there are four ugin the spirit dragon yeah. in this deck as well a card that you could actually just cast on turn six or seven with eight mana since you have land where elves and uh servant of the conduit and it might just be good enough to win some games if you can kind of tread water till yeah. then with like rogue refiners oh, and stuff ugin is definitely the kind of card that just takes over the game we see that in modern in tron on and that's turn four ugin that's what we're doing here so uh, you know, I would have expected going in that Emrakul the Promised End would be the big payoff for Aetherworks Marvel. We only see one copy of that here. So Ugin is really the card they're trying to hit. And that's interesting. You know, even out, out of a deck that's really trying to play to the battlefield, you're probably going to exile some of your own permanents. Uh, but that you don't care because you still got the Ugin laying around. You still got the Marvel laying around. Maybe a Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot. Uh, and you know, you're going to be continuing to work towards reloading that Marvel. And you've got the Ugin to manage the battlefield in the meantime. Uh, so uh, I'm a fan of that move. I think Ugin is a really great payoff. And like you said, a lot more castable than some of the other options at only eight mana, uh, but still very powerful. So I do like that um, choice. I'm just not super confident in Aetherworks Marvel as a whole. Yeah, same. Uh, next deck we're going to look at is pretty cool. It's from CMEC, uh S here. It's a it's a uh, hardened skills deck. I'm sure to see if it's just green or green black. It is green black. So you're looking at Winding Constrictor, Walking Blissa, Stone Cold Serpent, Steel Overseer. There's even Rishkar, Pima, Renegade in here, Metallic Mimic, and Hangerback Water. Walker, along with Nissa Voices, Zendikar, hardened skills, and you pretty much got a deck. You know, you got some Once Upon a Times, Fatal Pushes, and stuff in there. Um, I do like this one is utilizing uh, Runs of Orin Reef. This is a land that I haven't seen in a lot of the lists that I thought maybe just fits in, along with like Karn's Bastion, just ways to put extra plus minus counters on your stuff. Yeah, the, that's what the deck the, does. The, uh, the ETP tap land a little too costly in modern, but here as a singleton still works. This is a deck that saw, uh, I think, a lot of hype uh, when Pioneer was announced because a, a lot of the modern list carries over. But there are two really key cards that don't carry over, and they are Ink Moth Nexus and Arcbound Ravager. And to me, those were the two scariest cards in the deck after Hardened Skills. You know, I, when I play against this deck in Modern and they're doing things with Hangerback Walker and Walking Ballista by like adding counters manually, I am super happy and I'm usually winning. When they are casting Hardened Skills into Arcbound Ravager, I am dead. And yeah. they're not doing that in this deck. I was like taking a look to see if there's like a, you know, something that I'm missing or, you know, some little combo that I'm not, not readily seeing right away, but no, this is pretty straightforward. You're definitely right. Anytime this deck has to do its stuff like manually or piece by piece, and it's not just going off, it's definitely not as scary as it can be. 
Yeah, this is sort of like an aggro deck, and the curve's a little awkward. I do love Stone Coil Serpent because it can be that nice one drop. That then you just like put counters on with Steel Overseer, and really you know it helps the curve out. But it's really just a lot of twos. Steel Overseer, Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker, Metallic Mimic, Widening Constrictor, all two mana plays. So you're gonna have trouble, you know, double spelling. And I also think this deck wants four copies of Nissa Voices Endicar. Super powerful with what with uh, Winding Constrictor when they were in standard. So it should be similarly powerful with Hardened Scales. You know, gives you the extra bodies to get counters on, uh, and you know, it sort of helps make your curve a little bit smoother. So if you do want to play this deck, I would look at four copies of Nissa as a start. I'm not a big fan of Metallic Mimic uh, and Animation Module in these lists. I think you've got plenty to do with your mana with the other cards. Uh, so that that's where I would go with it, but. Without that way to go sort of all in and do it quickly, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, we have the Luxac with a, a mono red deck that 5 out here. Nothing super out of the ordinary in the creature slot. You're looking at just like all the... It's it's more of a goblin-centric one. You're yeah. looking at goblin piledriver, rabble master, legion loyalist, you know, war boss, uh, reckless bushwhacker. You know, not much to talk about there, but I do want to talk about the fact that it's got three ember cleave in the deck yeah there was no removal in the stack no burn spells in the oh, main they know what's up they yeah, know they what's know up. up this is i'm gonna ember cleave you and there are two great creatures to put it on we've got goblin pile driver you know that's easily five seven power pretty quickly you put an ember cleave on that you're dealing 12 16 damage goblin rabble master gets pretty big too from its trigger because you're attacking with a lot of goblins in this deck uh and then you know torburn works well with ember cleave you know when you've got double strike each hit of them is going to deal two more damage with Torburn. So that's like an extra four points. And Torburn works really well with, uh, you know, all the tokens this deck generates. Goblin Instigator, Goblin Rabble Master. Uh, we still got some, you know, we got four copies of Legion War Boss. So we're generating a ton of tokens. And when those deal one, not super threatening. When they deal three, very threatening. So th- this is a, a deck that could sneak up on you. And Embercleave is a really powerful card. We saw a lot of it at the most recent Mythic Championship uh as being an answer to the the uh bank golos decks and standard it's a card that can end the game really quickly and in this deck you know not only are you putting it on a large creature you're also casting it for really cheap the standard gruel decks were attacking with two creatures casting it for four mana here you're casting it for two or three mana yeah absolutely and one thing i want to add don't forget that colin pile driver has protection from blue it cannot be touched by oko or teferi that is a really good point. So maybe Piledriver, an underrated card in this format, ha- hasn't really seen a lot of play since its heyday in Onslaught Era Standard, which was, uh, mm-hmm. what is that, 2002? Yeah. Yeah, 2000, yeah 2002. We, we remember those days. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, super, super excited to see that card making a comeback. Uh, it was really big when I first started getting into like competitive magic and was getting out of high school and stuff. So kind of cool and like a, a sweet little like homage to, to, the, to the past for me. So, uh, so this next one looks like your typical spirits list on paper, but it's Esper Spirits, and it's got a little bit different stuff. So you're still looking at, you know, the Eagle that we were talking about earlier, Mausoleum Wanderer, Rattle Chain, Selfless Spirits, Spectral Sailor, Spell Queller, and, and uh, Supreme Phantom, but it's got four Brazen Borrow in it, four Thoughtseize, and three Fatal Push. And the reason I really like this is I think this deck is very clean and just like just disruptive enough and has a little bit of removal here or there. And I like this deck a lot because of the way it looks on paper, the way I envision the games playing out. And then I really like the sideboard for this deck. It's very easy, very clean. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just in love with this deck list. I'm definitely giving this one a run real soon. So my notes on this deck are borrower interesting. 
I kind of like Brazen Bar in the shell. You know, anytime you're a super heavy creature deck, you don't have a lot of interaction. So when you could just shoehorn a little extra interaction in your deck in your creatures, always nice. That's why we, we've seen Reflector Mage, Deputy of Detention in these decks. This list has four copies of Spell Queller. We have Brazen Borrower. So this is like, it's not a super heavy spirits. Uh, spirits. I guess Brazen Bar is the only non spirit, right? So we're still pretty heavy spirits. So 25 spirits, still a good number. But my thing, you know, we see Empyrean Eagle again, important. The black spells stand out to me because when we think about the modern spirits deck, the cards that we're losing are Aether Vial and Path to Exile. Those were your cheap spells, you know, and they were premium in the deck for that reason. And we're replacing them now with more cheap spells, which is great. Four Thoughtseize, three Fatal Push. We have things that we can do in the early game. We have cards that can fill in our curve, make sure we're double spelling on turn three and four in either not falling behind at the very least or, you know, better yet, pulling ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I also like how clean the sideboard is. You're looking at four Surge of Righteousness. This is a card that's one in the white. It's an instant. It says destroy target black or red creatures attacking or blocking. You gain two life. And then four Roshan Cleric, which is a one three for one in a white that gains three life. So like this is how you stop the red decks because they are going to be a problem for you. You take out your thought seizes. You take out whatever the worst creature is against them. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to sit there and think about Probably it for a minute. And you bring in a bunch of, yeah, probably Borrower. In fact, I was going to say this. I think four might be a lot. You might be able to like maybe take out a brazen bar for something else, but uh, if you want to change your deck up, like if you want the fourth fatal push main, that's something you can change. But this this is a very easy sideboard for you, right? And then besides that, you have two mystical dispute, two spell pierce, two Dovin's veto, and the one you know fourth fatal push in the sideboard. So this is a deck that like it just knows what it's doing at all times, right? Like. And yeah, you may not have a solid plan for like the mid-range matchup where like maybe you want like a Planeswalker or some, you know, card like that. But maybe you don't even need help there because as long as they're not sweeping you, your amalgamation of creatures is going to be enough to outclass them, I think. Yeah, no, uh, I think it, in creature matchups, especially with the the eight Lords, you know, Spirits has been pretty good and you've got some extra interaction in Brazen Borrower and then it gets Control Decks. Spirits has historically fared a lot better than other creature decks because you're playing at instant speed. You've got things like Mausoleum Wanderer, Rattle Chain, Selfless Spirit to and Spell Queller to mess with all of their removal. You have Spectral Sailor to provide card advantage. Where this deck has often struggled is against those aggressive matchups because it, it's prone to stumbling, doesn't have a ton of cheap interaction. The modern versions were sort of are pretty reliant on Aether Vial. Uh, or collected company to, de- to generate tempo. Here we've got some black spells to help, you know, uh, help us stay afloat in the early turns. And then we've got a really great sideboard so that we make sure we improve those matchups in games two and three. Yeah, I think like one of the only cards I'd be interested in trying out is if you find yourself, you know, not being able to go toe to toe with the decks that are like trying to go long is maybe a bygone bishop or something like that. Just some other card that can kind of provide a little bit more uh, card advantage than just Spectral Sailor. But I don't know. I, I look at this deck and I like it a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Yeah. Like this is, pr- this was, this was my pick for like the first one I wanted to really give a good go between like three to five, uh, uh, League. like, you know, three to five leagues, maybe like a, give it a couple days to really try okay. it out, you know? Uh, no, that, so that sounds like a good place to end. We'll call this, you know, part one of our deck dump breakdown. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we tried to do as much as we could. I think we went a little bit too deep on a lot of the decks early, but it actually is going to make the back end of it easier because you're going to start to see decks that are, you know, really repetitive for what we were seeing. We talk about, hey, this is one that, you know, we saw this card out of it that we liked a lot differently. So uh, definitely going to look out for a second episode this week. We also have a special episode coming up sometime soon. Where we're going to be covering the financial side 
of Pioneer. You know, what cards should you be looking to add into your collection as soon as possible? What can you buy with confidence? What can you not buy with confidence at this point in time? Uh, so if you have any questions about that, make sure you you tweet at us at Cast Pioneer and make sure you follow us on Twitter as well when you're doing that. Also, a little more housekeeping before we go. We're going to have a Patreon that we're setting up. Right now, we have a 2 and a $5 a month tiers. Um, the things that you get along with it right now is uh, with either one of the levels, you do get a, uh, a, a Patreon-only um, channel in our Discord where uh, you know you will be getting more one-on-one time with me and Ross and chatting there. Only the people who are patrons on the channel will get access get to that. you real thoughts um, about the also, Utah Jazz, not just what I tell everybody else. Yeah, you'll get there. Yeah, though there might be some expletives deleted and stuff. <laughs> oh, they're in there not as deleted. Well. Um, okay. uh, also, for the two dollars tier and up, you will also receive the deck list of myself and Ross at any event that we're going to this weekend. Or if you want, you can ask, "Hey, what would you play in this format this weekend?" And we can give you as much information as we have at the time. You know, we'll be very honest in our answers. Uh, as of right now, the five dollars tier, you're going to be able to su- submit questions that will be answered on the podcast. You also get all the rewards of the previous tier. Plus, we got a little something in the works for the $5 tier. A little bit of a tease for you uh, guys and gals at home. But there's going to be more coming to that. There's also going to be more tiers for the Patreon coming in the future. So make sure you check that out at www.patreon.com slash pioneercast. Um, every one of the podcasts now is live on Apple and Spotify, SoundCloud, and all major podcasts. Uh, we got a couple other ones, like one or two other ones that we're really hardly working on trying to get it through. They are being very uh, pain in the butt. And getting our uh, stuff we'll wear them down. Uh, live. Nobody We're going to wear them down. Also, like one more little... Yeah, exactly. Also, one more uh, thing to, to talk about here. If anybody lives in the Midwest, um, NRG is desperately trying to hold their five... I'm sorry, their 10K that's going on this weekend. Originally, it was supposed to be standard. No one signed up for it, and I cannot <laughs> blame them. Um, they were saying... That they got two pre-registers. Two. Uh, so just more than zero, less than yeah. ideal. Uh, as of as of before this uh, went on, they had seventy five people signed up for a, a pioneer event. Right, they're going to run it. Yeah, they get at least a hundred. They will run it. Now it's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin. I will also add this little tiny bit of caveat. I cannot guarantee this, but I have talked to a few people at NRG. If this happens in Madison, Wisconsin, y'all get it fired, and they're going to do coverage of it, which we're not sure. That that was a big thing about the. The site is they might not be able to coverage thing if they get it going on. I have looked into the plane tickets and I may fly up to cover the tournament. So I may come do some some commentary, hang out. I'll bring like seven pioneer decks with me. We can jam. It'll be a ton of fun. Um, so uh, the show, this show should be ready sometime on Tuesday, hopefully before Wednesday morning. But, you know, you'll definitely have it ready for your Wednesday morning commute. So hopefully, hopefully that's going to be good enough. Yeah, hopefully you got a long commute because we're running at two hours and 42 minutes right now. We're going to try to make the next episode a little bit shorter, finish all the other stuff. And we're going to try to get that finance episode out as soon as possible for y'all. Because just like y'all at home, I know that I am fiending for as much Pioneer information and stuff that I can get right now. So if you have it, make sure you join that Discord. The link is up on our Twitter. Again, that Twitter is at CastPioneer. And maybe look at that Patreon, help us out a little bit. We do actually have to pay for the editor for our stuff and for all the equipment that we use to get this going. Would be awesome. It costs you less than your Starbucks run once a month. So maybe just look into doing that. Anyway, let's go ahead and close up the show. Ross, if people wanted to hear some more ranting about the Utah Jazz or anything else magic related from you, uh, where can they do that? You can do that on Twitter. I am at Ross Hunneds. That is Ross, R-O-S-S, Hunneds, H-U-N-N-E-D-S. 
Uh, follow me there, and you will find out all about Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, and Quinn <laughs> Snyder, uh, and nothing else. That's all I tweet about. Uh, nothing else. Yeah. Maybe magic once in a hundred tweets or something. Yeah. Maybe. From, from October to, to to at least April, depending on how far the Jazz go in the playoffs. That's it. Mm. Right. And if some people wanted to read your musings about magic, where could they do that? They can do that at StarCityGames.com. I have a weekly column that typically goes up on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. If it ever deviates from that, you will hear about it on Twitter. Uh, so follow me there in case that changes. I also am a co-host of Versus Live, a web show I do twice a week with Corey Baumeister. That airs from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's 1 to 4 Eastern time. Uh, and the shows do eventually go on YouTube. Tuesday shows go on uh, YouTube on Friday. And then the Thursday show goes up the following Monday. So you can catch them live. We will answer questions live on air. It's a great time. Or you can catch them on YouTube a little bit later on. Leave a comment. And we uh, we do check those and periodically get back to them as well. Lots of Pioneer action going on that right now as yes, well. Yes, we are playing all Pioneer all the time. It is fantastic. Yeah. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at the Tannen Grace. Uh, I'm very active on there, and then you can find me also on the, the Cast Pioneer uh, Twitter as well. I'm pretty active on that one as well. Uh, I do tweet about Magic quite a bit. And I do do some rumblings of my local sports teams as well. And you may see me go a little nuts over the last next two weeks, uh, especially at one Todd Anderson, because our our two football game teams are headed for quite the matchup here in two when weeks. Do they, when do they play? Uh, not this weekend, but the next. It's a uh, so it's a tradition to have. Say that again. So the weekend of Richmond. Sure, I I, I don't know what weekend Richmond is, but uh, it's traditional for us to have the week off before the Alabama game because it's the biggest game of the year. So they usually don't play. They have they have a week off. So yeah, I got got to prepare for Nick Saban and company. Yeah, it's it hasn't gone well in a long time. So I'm hoping this year hasn't gone well for most people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I when he coached for us, it was the same way for everybody else. It felt real good to be on the other end. But anyway, that's going to be it for us to tonight. We're going to try to get out the next episode for you guys and gals as soon as possible. Sorry about having to cut it short, but honestly, man, I don't know how y'all listen to us for more than three hours anyway. So we'll uh, we'll make sure we get all the rest of the information put into that next episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.